Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console. Xbox. I'm said host Jesse DeRosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 3rd 2021 including Far Cry 6 finally has a release date, Dying Light 2 finally has a release date, Sonic Colors Ultimate finally has a release date, and more. That's right, fuckers. Just as certain as I am, the sun will rise every morning. Xbox On is here. It's Thursday, possibly. Maybe it's not Thursday. You can listen to this whenever. But uh, it's it's another week of Xbox On. 104 of them. I'm not going anywhere. I'm like a fucking cockroach. You can't... Even a nuclear bomb can't take this bitch out. But uh, welcome to another, another week of Xbox On. Just a real quick heads up. I'm excited about this week, okay? I was doing... Some notes, some formatting, you know, the show notes as I normally do each and every Tuesday and, and Wednesday morning. And, you know, this morning I was putting all the, the comments together and organizing them. And I thought, you know, this is a good week. I, uh, I I feel it in my bones. This isn't, you know, this isn't like Xbox bought Bethesda type news week in terms of like awesome stories. But this is a very personally catered to me kind of week. So hopefully, you know, my excitement of over the comments and the news we have to talk about is then, you know, you know, my excitement for those things then translates to a fun conversation for you to listen to. So I'm, I'm real happy to get into it. But first, I want to, rather than just going to our regular corrections, I want to start today's show, you know, I'm always bitching at you guys, please go to iTunes, rate me five stars, all that shit. I want to call, you know, I, I do such a bad job of actually following up and seeing what's going on on iTunes since I, I don't own any Apple devices. Sometimes it, it makes it hard for me to check all these Apple services. But here I am on iTunes, it looks like we have 20 reviews views um almost all positive so that's pretty good and someone you know left a comment back in april that i haven't I, i'm just now seeing so i wanted to i wanted to highlight that and just share it it's uh, from a one havoc mrck who says i found this podcast three to four months before the series x got released and i've been hooked ever since i patiently wait every thursday for a new episode jesse not only covers news slash events but also mixes in personal life definitely a one-of-a-kind podcast Thank you, Havoc MRCK. I do appreciate that that review, which I think pretty accurately describes the show, for better or for worse. But nonetheless, you any of you uh, who've taken the time to go over to iTunes or any service where you've left comments, reviews, whatever, greatly appreciate it. It really helps the show grow. Apparently, iTunes is like the golden standard for getting your podcast out there and growing it. So I don't know. I just notice every podcaster is always like, iTunes, 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 as if like Spotify and Stitcher and SoundCloud and all these other platforms don't exist. So I assume that means Apple Podcasts are the most important one to try and grow. So listen, you bitches, I know you're Xbox fans, which means you're people of great taste, which means you probably are still carrying around Windows phones from 2016 because you won't let the fact that they're they're canceled and overproduct, uh, like you won't let that go. You're just holding on. Either that or you've moved on to Android. So I know most of you are here, you know, in the non-iPhone or Mac owning camp. But listen, I don't care. I need you to go out of your way. Go to iTunes. Go to your public library. Find someone with an Apple product and review the show on iTunes because we need to grow the show. Okay. Not that's not to say you know I don't appreciate 
what audience I do have, but you know, I'm a selfish human being. I want this thing to get as big as it can get. Listen, I want Xbox on to be so big that Phil Spencer notices us. So maybe one day we can have him on the show. You know, if I ever had someone like Phil Spencer tier, like guests on the show, I wouldn't interview them myself. What I would rather do since this, this show is so community like comment focused is I would have everyone in the comments leave a question for Phil and then I would compile those questions and my my podcast with Phil Spencer would just be like me sharing comments and questions from the audience and, and shooting them to him and having him answer them on the show. I think that would be a fun way to have someone like that on the show. But more accurately, you know, we're a small show. We got we gotta aim small. We are small. We gotta, you know, small steps as they say. So I think right now we should focus on trying to get someone of a, of less notoriety on the show. So you guys, you're out there. Please review the show on iTunes. Help share the show with friends and whatnot so we can grow it. Because pretty soon here, I'm going to try to start getting some guests on. Right now, I'm reaching out to Don Matt. <laughs> To Don Matrix, I, I hear he's not doing much of anything these days. I'm going to see if that old sorry sack of shit would like to be on the show. And maybe we can talk about uh, why he hates Xbox so much. So, guys, please share and rate the show. And with all that stupidity out of the way, let's let's jump into our regular run of segments. We always start off with uh, corrections or things like that in case there was any misinformation or or, or misconveyed or misconstrued information on last week's show. This week, I don't have anything I did wrong to, to share with you, but I do want to bring my brother to task a little bit because he uh, he left a comment saying, Outriders is a Game Pass success story. I can't help but feel like it would be completely irrelevant right now if not for the Game Pass exposure. Well, brother, young child, I had to take you to task on this comment a little bit because... If you really look at the success of Outriders, a lot of it is, you know, on the most popular platform of choice out there right now, which is PlayStation platforms, PS4, PS5, and uh, Outriders has sold extremely well on PlayStation where you do not have the option to play it through like a Game Pass-like service. You only have the option to buy it for 60 bucks. So, you know, the game sold incredibly well on PlayStation platforms, and and I, I think... What we're missing here is the success of Outriders has a lot to do with one really good timing coming out in a time where a lot of other games were delayed or just not much was happening in gaming. Two, it was kind of this like last game to come out before like literally everyone started getting the COVID vaccine for the most part, or at least here in like the States it was. So in a way, it kind of feels like that last game like people played while on lockdown or while like not able to go out and do quote unquote normal things. So, I mean, that's a lesser contributing factor, but I want to note that. But most importantly, I think the thing that really helped this game was that decision to put out that demo back in March and try to get people hooked on the game before it even came out. So I would say the combination of that demo and then, you know, just releasing at a good time. Plus, I mean, PS uh, PS5 and Series X and S, like these are brand new consoles that people are really hungry to get new games for. So I just think it's that kind of time uh, of a console generation where like, Literally anything that comes out is going to do well just because there's so few things out there and people are so hungry for new content or new hardware that, you know, not to say that Outriders is an otherwise mediocre game that's only doing well because of the time in which it came out, but I'm not going to say that this, this timing hasn't helped it. But yes, of course, Game Pass has also played a huge role in its success, but I just disagree with this notion that it would otherwise be completely irrelevant. I think that's a little a little too drastic and, uh, and not completely representative of what we've done here, but I had to take you to task on that just because, you know, there's got to be a correction. That's what People aren't here for the news. They're not here for the comments. They don't give a shit about, you know, the fast food talk. They're here because they want to know who was right and who was wrong, and the, and the correction segment is where we get to find that out. Now, with that out of the way, guys, let's jump into... 
what is undoubtedly the, the beefiest section of the show each and every week, which is, of course, our comments, which come over from YouTube. Guys, you can go over to YouTube.com. Look up Second Best Gaming. That's where you'll find my channel. Click on that. You'll see a podcast playlist for Xbox On. Click on that. You'll see the latest episode. The latest episode is always where you're going to want to leave your comment because I pull comments from the latest episode. Listen, it's episode 104 right now. I'm not going to go to episode 27 if that's where you decide to leave your comment this week because you're feeling cute and you want to make me go dig for content. Like, leave a comment on episode 104 this week or suffer the consequences of not being read on air, okay? It's as simple as that. Please and thank you. So leave the. Com- I, I love how I say that as if that's been a problem. That's literally never been a problem. I don't think anyone's ever made that mistake ever. But here we are. I'm trying to act all cool and official. Anyway, so you leave a comment on YouTube. I'll probably read it on the air no matter what. It can be something nice. You can say something real nice. Like, Jesse, I really appreciate that you have a correction segment at the beginning of every podcast because this lets us know that not only are you willing to take responsibility for anything that you may say that isn't correct, but it also it also tells us that we can trust you because you're an honest person uh, who cares more about the truth than than protection protecting his own image. Uh, you can say something like that, and I'd be like, hey, that's hey, that's really nice. I appreciate that nice comment. Yeah, you could also say something mean. You could say, Jesse. You dumb sack of shit. The Tampa Bay Rays are just a farming team. No one likes them. You live in a fucking uh, part of the country that's just full of uh, New York Yankee expats, and no one ever goes to a fucking Tampa Bay Rays game because they want to root uh, everyone's least favorite MLB team. You're a fucking idiot, and supporting this team is, 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 isn't it is cool. It isn't rooting for the underdog. It just makes you look like some counterculture-loving hipster trash bag. And I'll say, hey, that really hurts my feelings that you said that, but I appreciate the honesty. And here we are reading you on air. So, guys, let's just jump in our first comment. Who comes from Mr. Hot Toddy, who says on on the topic of Horizon Forbidden West, which is, of course, not even an Xbox game. He says, I know it's an Xbox podcast, but damn, new Horizon gameplay made me a little bit jealous. Well, uh, Hot Toddy, I got to be honest with you. I I didn't watch the whole state of play presentation Sony had, but I did skim through the footage and the trailer and some of the uh, event, I guess. And obviously, you know, I have a very video game centric social media feed. So I saw tons and tons of people talking and screen grabbing and showing clips and things like that. And I got to be honest with you, man. This is not, I, let me preface, this is not coming from an Xbox fanboy state of, state, uh, perspective. This is, I swear to God, this is not me saying Halo rules, Kratos drools. That's not what this is about. This is just my honest take. I thought Horizon, like, and I'm happy you're excited for it. I thought Horizon Forbidden West looked incredibly underwhelming. But at the same time, it looked like more Horizon. So if you were a fan of the first Horizon game, I think this is, yeah, I think I agree. It looks good. It looks like there's a lot more verticality and the movement's a lot more fluid and there's some new combat techniques and things like that that really jazz up the game. But man, I I was so underwhelmed by what I saw. Not that like I should have been expecting anything but more Horizon from the sequel, but like I don't, I guess I've never said this on a show before. When when the PS4 first came out back in 2013, I was like, cool, I'm going to go with the Xbox, but I will get a PS4 at some point in the future. You know, it's one of those things. I'll wait for it to be like $300, or maybe I'll get it with a, a slim model, because eventually I'm going to want to play the next Uncharted, the next Ratchet and Clank, whatever, you know? So I, I always had the intention of buying it, but when they first revealed Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think was 2015, if I'm not mistaken, I remember the first time they showed that game, I was like, 
I was like, fuck, this is the game. This is the reason why I got to get a PS4. Like, I was so drawn to that game the second they announced it. And then when I finally played it, I was so incredibly let down. I thought Horizon Zero Dawn was a very Far Cry, Ubisoft, run-of-the-mill, open-world, sandbox, checkbox, whatever game. And I just, man, it did not do it for me. So maybe that's what it is, but I was... I'm just not interested in Horizon after that experience, and I thought this this game did nothing to. It, it it looks like it does nothing to win over new fans that weren't already you know into Horizon, but nonetheless, it does look good. Like it technically looks great. It looks it, like it's visually stunning. I'm sure the game is a lot of fun for people who enjoy that game. And Hot Toddy, most importantly, I'm glad that you're excited for it. I'm glad I'm glad you're a little bit jealous. It's good to be jealous. It's good for you as an Xbox fan to say, hey. I like what the other guy's doing because you know what that you know what that means? It means you're not a blind fanboy. You don't just support Xbox for the sake of Xbox. You support Xbox because generally you like what Xbox has to offer. And if and if PlayStation has the ability to sometimes make you a little bit jealous, all that tells you is that your favorite your preference when it comes to video games lies in what piques your interest and not in what is representative of your tribe. So that's it's good to be jealous. It's nice. Let it let it burn inside you would be my recommendation, hot toddy. Let that jealousy build. And just just let it fester. Don't do anything about it. Now, our next comment, I'm extremely excited to read to you guys today. We, I had This comment was written in four days ago, and I actually feel bad that I just didn't do anything with it until the podcast because it's a, it's a comment that demands immediate response, but I, I didn't want to type a response. I wanted to pose this to you, the audience, and then read it on the air. So let's just jump it right in. So Sweaty Bandito writes in. It's a bit of a long one, but listen, it's you're going to love it. It's worth it. He says, hey, Jesse, so I'm in a bit of a pickle. November last year, I snagged an Xbox Series S because I sensed London was going to go back into lockdown during the winter. Series X was nowhere to be found. Anyway, fast forward to present day, I get a Twitter notification saying that Xbox Series X is back in stock. I don't even think about it. I just buy one. I live with my girlfriend. I didn't tell her I bought the Series X, so I picked it up from the post office and had to show a pickup pass and ID. The guy behind me in the queue was like, what are you buying that needs a security check like that? So now I have an Xbox Series X stashed under my bed. I don't own a 4K TV, but do want to upgrade my monitor. What do I do? Sell my Series S? Return the Series X? How do I tell my girlfriend I bought two consoles? How can I possibly justify two consoles? Keep both? I am an expat, though. Aussie living in London. So decent chance I'll have to move back home at some point. Any advice is welcome. So Sweaty Bandito, I I, I really love this comment. I love this dilemma. And there's a, there's many, many ways this can be approached. So I, I'm already kicking myself just knowing all the things I, I could and should say, but will forget inevitably until after we're done recording here. But let me just try to attack this however I can. And then you guys in the audience, please feel free to comment and help us out here. Help Sweaty Bandito decide what he uh, should do in this situation. So, so here's... Here's, here's the thing. You are obviously a fan of the Xbox. The Xbox Series S is a fantastic console. For $300, the value can't be beat. I don't think anyone listening to this show could possibly, you know, argue with that. Xbox Series S, a fantastic buy, absolutely worth the money. What a great piece of hardware. But people listening to the show are not just regular people who need a great console. Gee whiz, $300, what a good value. People listening to a podcast about Xbox are probably going to fall in the category of like, a hardcore gamer or like a serious Xbox fan. So I think I speak for everyone listening here when it's like, 
listen, if you're a big Xbox guy, if you're a big gamer guy, you're probably going to want to go with a Series X, right? Because let's be honest, as nice as it would be to like get your nieces and nephews an Xbox Series S to play Fortnite on or, you know, to get like your friend who's just getting into gaming, just dipping their toes into gaming, a Series S or, you know, that guy who like plays Call of Duty and Madden, but doesn't really give a shit too much about gaming outside of that, you know, tell them, hey, this is a really affordable way to get into next gen. That's great. Series S is totally great. But you as a hardcore gamer, you as a big Xbox fan, you're always going to have that burning part inside of you that's like, I can't believe I don't have the Series X if you settle for the lower powered uh, console of the two, you know, and especially because this isn't like an Xbox one to Xbox one X situation where it's like, well, maybe you bought one when it came out. And then a few years later, the upgraded version came out. This is like both of these babies launched side by side and you had theoretically, you know, you know, availability notwithstanding, you had a theoretical choice of which one you wanted to buy. And that's always, you're always going to be staring down the barrel of that decision. If you go, wow, I could have had this one, but I chose this one because technically both existed and I knowingly purchased, you know, the lesser of the two uh, instead. So I think you have to be honest with yourself. Are you such an Xbox fan that you have to have the more powerful, the more capable console of the two. My assumption is, again, you're like, why the hell are you listen to an Xbox podcast if you're not a big Xbox guy? My assumption is, yes, you are. And so that alone, that that train of thought, that that thought track alone justifies or locks you into a position where you have to keep the Series X. That's step one, right? You, you finally got your Series X. The S was a nice holdover in the meantime, but now you got your X in your hands. You can't let it go, right? So that's step one, okay? So now the next thing is, okay, what do you do about the Series S? Do you keep it? Do you lose it? Because you got to have all this stuff figured out before you bring it to your girlfriend's attention. Of course. Uh, you got to have a whole a whole thing, all these contingency plans, all these solutions, all these uh, explanations. Otherwise, she's not going to buy it. She's not going to. You're gonna, Next thing you know, you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be sleeping at your neighbor's house. And for all you know, your neighbor could be a PlayStation gamer, and that's just not a fun situation to be in. So this is what you're going to want to do with the Series S. The the thing is, you didn't give me too much to work with here in terms of like your living space. I don't know. Do you live in, I live in a one bedroom apartment, so I have a hard time. I want to buy a Series S in addition to my Series X, but I have a small living space and I, re, I don't really have a real justification for owning multiple consoles. It's not like I have many, many rooms to fill out, you know? So like, are you living in a one bedroom apartment? Do you own a, a four bedroom house? Like, what's your situation like? Like, is is there a need for like, because, because you think about the Series X, you're like, okay, well, that's going to go into like the, the gaming room or like the main living room or whatever. And then, you know, the Series S can be the thing that goes into the den or the, or the, or the bedroom or something like that. So these kinds of, these kind these, these bits of information would be help, helpful, Bandito. Don't you understand that? But without it, we'll, we'll make do. Now you do give this really helpful nugget. You say, I don't own a 4K TV but you want to upgrade your monitor. So I assume you play Xbox at your computer desk, like you, you have the Xbox plugged up to your PC monitor. Listen, that's a, hey, no judgment. That's a total reasonable thing to do. I still say you want the Series X, and here's why. Um, unless unless you are some new breed of human being that's just like, listen, uh, yeah, I don't have a 4K TV or you know a, a 120 hertz monitor or, or 4K monitor or whatever. I don't have that, but also I never plan on upgrading ever. I just plan on sticking with this... Uh, uh, 10, 720p LCD monitor from 2011. Like I, that's 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 it. That's the plan. Game over. You know, unless you're a new breed of human that feels that way, I, I think it's nice to keep the Series X because one, you already have it, 
So, so all you're doing is really future-proofing yourself. You got the more powerful console so that when the time comes inevitably to upgrade, you know, to the nicer monitor, to the nicer TV, whatever you choose, you got the you got the Xbox that can take advantage of that monitor or that TV. Because think about it like this way: let's say you get rid of the Series X, you keep the Series S, and then one day you upgrade your monitor, you upgrade your TV, whatever you decide. Well, that sucks. You know, you got a you got a box that can't really take advantage of it. You got a box that does 1440p 60 FPS. You can't do that 4K 60, that 4K 120. Well, now you feel like a dumb idiot. So I think I think you got your. So, in my opinion, in my humble in my humble suggestion to you is that you keep the Xbox Series X, knowing full well that at some point you're going to upgrade your monitor or your TV or both, and you're going to be able to take advantage of that power because you want to lock yourself in. You know, the Xbox Series X is going to be Xbox for the next like five to six years. So like. Play it, you know, like keep, keep the box, understand that you're going to get your $500 worth or you're living in the UK. So what is that? Like 550 quid or whatever. I don't know. You guys include your tax in there because you're not insane people. So uh, I, whatever, whatever it is you spent on it, like you're going to get your money back because again, you're listening to an Xbox podcast. Chances are you're going to play a bunch of Xbox games on it. You're going to enjoy that faster load time. You're going to enjoy that just boost, boosted performance from having a more powerful console. And one day you're going to upgrade either your TV or your monitor or both, and then get upgraded visuals from that console as well. You know, also who doesn't think like I, they're both attractive looking consoles, but let's be honest, the series X, that tall stack black sleek box with the, with the green grill. Oh my God. It's so sexy. Are you kidding me? My girlfriend has definitely walked in a couple times on me and my Xbox series X. It's just a beautiful piece of tech. There's no, there's no denying it. So that also it plays a factor. I think so here we are. You got to keep the series X. You have the option to keep the series S, but if you're really concerned about what your girlfriend's going to say or think or do or whatever, I think you give up the Series S now with the with the you know with the idea or leaving the door open to maybe one day getting another one down the road if if need be if you know if you upgrade to a bigger home or if you have a second monitor or you you move back to Australia and you know Australia of course a lot more land out there you know you could have multiple Xboxes because there's just a lot more space to justify such a purchase. So who, who knows? Maybe what you do is you say, listen, girlfriend, all along I wanted this one. I couldn't get this one, but this means so much to me that I, I have this and I'm a part of this and I'm an early adopter and I get to feel like a part of this experience that I bought the only thing I could get my hands on, which was the lesser powerful box. So I hope you understand that I bought this because at the time it was better than nothing. Well, the gods have favored me and given me the opportunity to purchase a Series X, so here we are. Now, six months down the road, I got the one I wanted all along. Will you find it in your heart to understand that this just means a lot to me? So here I'm going to get, uh, I'm willing to get rid of the smaller, cheaper one, get a, recoup a little bit of that money back, you know, because I respect you, I respect our relationship, I respect our living space and our financial situation, and I want to, and I want to show that respect by by making a sacrifice. So you can have the Series S, we can get rid of it, we can do what you think is best, but I would really appreciate if we can keep the Series X because it's going to not only make me happy, but if this box makes me happy, imagine what that will do for our relationship. And then before you know it, you know, not only is she like, I understand your point of view and I respect that and we can do what you want to do, but she might also be like, Will you marry me and uh, move, uh, not only let's buy a second home in Australia and we will build it in the shape of of the Xbox logo, which is just, which is just, uh, 
uh, architecturally, ergonomically, just fucking stupid, but you're going to do it anyway because that's what love's all about. It's about making stupid decisions together. So, Sweaty Bandito, I hope in some way, shape, or form that helped. You know, I, I dedicated a lot of time to that explanation because I really do take it seriously. So, if anyone else has anything to add to that, please feel free. Sweaty Bandito. Can't see it because it's only an audio podcast, but I'm saluting to you. Best of luck. Next up, we got to talk about Culver's because I mentioned it in passing last week and then a couple of you guys had something to say. So Culver's equals bad. Let's let's jump in. Chicago Gamer 420, great name, says one. Thanks for thanks for reading my comment. Made this account to get in on the fun. Really think your podcast is the best Xbox podcast out there. Thank you, Chicago Gamer. That's really nice of you to say. Two. You are painfully incorrect about Culver's, but I appreciate your honesty. Never pander. But you're horribly misguided here. Try the buffalo tenders with cheese curds and a Mountain Dew when you get back to Culver's. Okay, Chicago Gamer, I got again, last week I was I was honest, and, and, and I said I only had one experience there. I just got like, I don't even remember which burger, but we my girlfriend and I just, we just ordered like a generic burger with fries and, and a Pepsi, shared it just to get a taste for what the menu had to offer. That was that. Listen, what you're recommending me to try is so polar opposite to what I had. I had a burger. You're saying get buffalo tenders. I had french fries. You're saying get cheese curds. I had a Pepsi. You're telling me to get a Mountain Dew. Listen, man, you're giving me a lot of alternative menu choices here, which I think is a great suggestion because I could try another burger to see if maybe I was just misguided, but trying the buffalo tenders gives me the opportunity to see if maybe this isn't a great burger restaurant, but it's a good chicken restaurant. So I do appreciate I appreciate that recommendation, and I have every intention, like I said, of giving Culver's a second try at some point in the future. But listen, man, when you live 15 minutes away from Walt Disney World and you have the opportunity to eat Disney pizza all the fucking time and happily die from a heart attack due to Disney pizza, you take that over Culver's. It's just, it's just that easy, but I still do want to make the trip to Culver's at some point when possible. And, and also you mentioned cheese curds. I'm a huge fan of cheese curds and, and, and you sold me. I will, I will go out of my way for cheese curds. So yes, on your recommendation, I will do that. Now my mother says Culver's is actually worse than Taco Bell. Horrible. I think that's the first time my mom's ever been factually correct on the show. And then Lethal Migraine says, You are correct. Culver's is bad. And two, you're wrong about crinkle cut fries. They are perfect for holding the right amount of salt and for dipping into sauces. sauces. Okay, Lethal Migraine. That was almost a great comment, but here's the thing. Yes, crinkle cut fries do help hold seasoning and salt on the fries better. That's not a good enough reason to justify their existence because simply put, crinkle cut fries are always, always, always too thick and mushy and potatoey. They never taste crispy and right. They always like, there's always this like hint of like frozen, not fresh, possibly freezer burn kind of taste to a crinkle cut fry. I think it's just, wasn't it like, didn't Nelson Mandela, I don't remember, I was bad at history, but didn't Nelson Mandela have like some whole speech about the crinkle cut fries and how they were like practically inedible? Like, do you, do you remember this? I'm pretty sure like, I'm not crazy here. Like, I'm pretty sure it's kind of a known thing that crinkle cut fries are just objectively inferior to all other fries, except maybe, you know, on certain occasions, you can make an argument for the crinkle cut versus the steak cut, because I'm not a huge fan of the steak cut either. So, you know, the regular, I like thin fries. I like the shoestring, like steak and shake. That's good. Maybe a little too thin. I like McDonald's fries in terms of the, just the size and the shape. I think that's ideal. So... Lethal Migraine, and then, but this is about Culver's, don't distract me here, OG Man also wants to jump in here, and I think he has some really great insight that uh, to share with us about Culver's, he says, what's up Jesse, fun fact, my first job was at Culver's, they barely had any in Texas, but one was right next to my high school, 
Next time you go there, get the cheese curds, fuck crinkle cut fries. All right, pause. OG man, you know, literally proving my point about lethal migraine and backing up Chicago Gamer there on the cheese curds. So yeah, I mean, that's that's all the validation I need. But OG man continues on and says, they have good cod and walleye sandwiches. Also, if you're into that, I do I do enjoy fish sandwiches. So yes, I would give that a try. I just downloaded, this is continuation. Actually, let's stop there, OG man, just because it, it gets off track. So listen, OG man is here backing me up here. He says, Culver's cheese curds, yes. Crinkle cut fries, no. Listen, OG man worked at Culver's. If he's going to sit here and tell me no to the crinkle cut fries, that's all I need. I have actual uh, actual word from a from an employee representative, uh, of course, of the past, but that that's all the understanding I need, Mr. Lethal Migraine. So stop trying to be hip and cool and just accept that crinkle cr- cut fries are an abomination, okay? And then, yeah, fish sandwiches I'm also into. So chicken, fish, cheese curds, Mountain Dew, these are the recommendations. You know, I thought they were really famous for, like, their custard or, or ice cream or whatever it is they sell. So the fact that no one mentioned that tells me that it's, at the very least, nothing special. So noted. Uh, but anyway, OG Man does have the rest of the comment to say, I just downloaded Mass Effect Legendary Edition on my Series X, and I'll be honest, man, between Master Chief Collection and Black Ops Cold War, you can really tell the difference. Everything is just, every, even from my Xbox One X, I'm loving it. Also, you failed to mention Psychonauts 2 for E3, and I have a feeling that will be a main focus as well, considering they basically said the game is ready to go. That is true. They they were teasing that the game is, you know, definitely coming this year. It's pretty much ready to go. And yes, I think it will definitely be at E3. I don't think it will be a main focus, just because for the simple reason that Psychonauts is, you know, it's, it is a, it is a cult classic. It is something that critics love a lot and people who played it loved a lot, but it is not, you know, a game like Psychonauts for as good as it may be, doesn't have the potential to like grab headlines and, 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 and sell copies and, and draw attention the way a game like, you know, Starfield or Halo Infinite does. So I definitely don't think it's going to be a main focus for E3, but I definitely think it will get a new trailer, a specific launch date, and a little more attention than we've seen it get recently. So for sure, it will it will be present. I think you're right about that. But next up, we got some hipster hype hate from Mojo who says, I don't know, I don't know, bro. In the last couple of years, it seems like, especially now with the new console generation, that the games industry uh, popularity has exploded to a point where Every game is hyped up and talked about by everyone, and every little piece of news is hyped up and talked about by everyone, and the regurgitation by the next person or media outlet over and over again until it dulls the experience for me. I love so many Xbox podcasts, though they're all talking about the same information lately, but I I digress. I fully understand that there's people... I fully understand there's people's content to be made and companies gotta make their money, but damn bros, tone it down. Well, Mojo... I really love this comment, uh, and it's twofold. It's one, because I feel very much the same way, so I can really agree and relate to what you're saying here. But two, it also, for me, feels like an opportunity for me to gloat and pat myself on the back a little bit, just because one thing I'm always insecure about with this show is like, oh man, am I am I staying, you know, I, obviously I like that we goof off and we get off topic and talk about dumb shit, but when it comes to the news, like, you know, someone someone once left a comment on this show or, or a review and said, like, uh, it, it's a really fun show for the commentary and all the goofs, but, like, you know, if you're looking for an Xbox show for all the latest news, look elsewhere, but, you know, 
keep this one in the fold because it, it's still a fun show to listen to and it's worth your time. And like, it was like such a nice backhanded compliment. And not, not that it was intended that way, but I always remember that review because I'm just like, damn, like I enjoy that. I, I'm really happy people have fun with the show and want to comment in and goof off and stuff. But I also do want Xbox on to be a show that people like listen to and are like, I feel informed about the news. Like, I feel like I learned something about Xbox or like I have a new perspective about this conversation happening in the world of Xbox as a result of listening to this podcast or this changed my perspective in some way or made me think or I agreed or disagreed with it. Like, I would like Xbox on to be able to contribute to that aspect as well. But a lot of times I'll hear like, you know, I follow other people and I'll see like, this, on this week's episode of this podcast, we're talking about this or like, oh, I was listening to this podcast the other day and they were talking about this. I'm like, shit, I also have an Xbox podcast and we definitely did not talk about that or like, I definitely feel like that didn't get brought up or like, I didn't make a big deal about this when everyone else seemed to make a big deal about this. So, I, I as I've said before, you know, I there's... Other than Colin Moriarty's PlayStation podcast, which is just my favorite podcast of all time and I will never not be a huge fan of, um, with the exception of that, I try for the most part to not listen to video game news podcasts because I don't want them to influence my show. But sometimes I also feel like because I'm not more tuned into the industry and the other shows that I'm totally missing the mark all the time with what's going on in the world of Xbox. And like, oh, here's Jesse, like, Freaking out about Halo Infinite for the 1900th episode, even though Halo wasn't even in the news this week, whereas all the other podcasts were talking about this story about fucking Forza that uh, Jesse like totally just didn't even focus on because he wasn't feeling like talking about it. So you make me a little insecure in that regard because I, I definitely want this show to touch on the major conversations and to have takes and things like that. But I also agree with you that one of, you know, in the same, in the same breath, like one of the things that makes me really relieved and that I also love about Xbox on is I feel like it is very out of touch and in some, sometimes it's in the right ways, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Just, just to say, I, I agree that a lot of news can feel very like the only thing that separates this podcast from this podcast is like, I guess the name or the organization releasing it because otherwise it all just kind of blurs together and sounds the same. I, I agree. I, this is why I stopped listening to a lot of podcasts. I feel like IGN's podcast unlocked nowadays feels like the audio version of just reading through that feed on Twitter. And it's just like, I don't, it just, it feels uninspired and regurgitated. And I'm not, I'm not trying to shit. There are many people who've been on that show, even recently who I really like and respect. I like Mark Medina. I like a lot of the cast of that show. I don't, I don't mean to be a dick and I feel like I'm definitely being a dick, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes that podcast and many other, and I, and I use that podcast as an example, cause it's the one I used to listen to the most for Xbox news years ago. But I, I don't know. I, I want really badly for Xbox on to not be like that. And I agree with you. I, I don't know if this show successfully does or doesn't meet that. You don't have, you know, that's rhetorical. You don't have to comment in and answer that. But I, I agree, man. I have a hard time finding YouTubers I like because I feel like they all do the same shit. They make the same videos. They talk about the same things. I have a hard time finding podcasts because I feel like they all do the same shit. They'd say the same things. I have a hard time finding video game people to follow on social media because I feel like they all have the same takes and they all have the same likes and dislikes and points of contention and everything. It's like, man, I try to find a, a video game YouTuber I like and it's just like every video game YouTuber is just like, here's the same joke format and, and remember video game history and God of War was really good and Zelda Breath of the Wild was really, really good and uh, Xbox is kind of a joke, and this and, that, and I'm like, eh, eh. It just feels like they're all doing the same thing. They're all telling the same story. They do the same history lessons. They talk about the same fads or remember this kind of periods about gaming. I'm just like, eh. 
So instead of instead of doing something about it and creating something, I'd rather just sit back and complain. I don't I don't even like my response to this comment mojo because I feel like I'm saying nothing. I'm just I'm literally just rambling into oblivion. I'm just not I'm not crazy about the state of games coverage and entertainment. Although, you know, in the defense of the YouTuber, I very much do love gaming YouTube a lot more than traditional games media. I, I will say love Scott the Waz, love video game donkey. Uh, some call me Johnny. They're the, the, the act man. There are plenty of video game related YouTubers out there that I very much do admire and appreciate. So a lot less of a cesspool seemingly than traditional games media. Now, Knockout City. You may know it. It's a game. It exists. And Mr. Miggy wants to tell you about it. He says, so I recently started playing Knockout City and I'm having a lot of fun with it. These past few weeks, I haven't been able to get myself to game for more than an hour, but this game changed that. I also tried Mountain Dew Baja Blast Zero Sugar for the first time. It tastes exactly like the regular one. Mr. Miggy, I gotta disagree with you on that. First time I had Mountain Dew Baja Blast Zero Sugar, I was like, wow, this is way worse than the regular one. But you know what? I've had it a handful of times since, and I've come around to it. I, I definitely think it tastes pretty decent now that I'm like pretty regularly drinking Zero Sugar sodas. But man, that regular Baja Blast, is, it still be better. You know that. But I'm glad you like it, and I do agree that it's good. But yeah, Knockout City, Mr. Mickey. The big reason I want to bring this up, I, I too have been hearing a lot of good things about Knockout City, so I went ahead and I downloaded it this week, and I I didn't play a ton of it. I probably only played like five matches total on and off throughout the weekend, but I, I like this game. I really didn't think I'd like this game. I kind of blew it off. I didn't really say much about it on the podcast. I don't know if we ever even talked about it on the podcast, but... So this is a new game from uh, EA. It is a multiplayer game. It's free to download if you have EA EA Play, which is, of course, a part of Game Pass Ultimate. So you have access to it on your Xbox. And, man, it's, it's a really fun game. It's a, it's art style drives me nuts. The character models look so obnoxious. Like, you can switch your characters and every single model infuriates me just as much as the last one. They're all so ugly and stupid looking. I, I, I absolutely hate the art style, especially for the characters. But... That doesn't matter because the game is a lot of fun. This is like EA's, it's something between like a we want a fun Rocket League type Fall Guys type game and like a Splatoon from Nintendo. It's something like cross between like those kinds of games. But like you run around rooftops, jumping and picking up dodgeballs and knocking each other out and you can catch other people's dodgeballs and you can like do all these cool aerial acrobatic stunts and jump around and dodge shit. It's, it's, it's a fun game. It's really cool. The, the, the games are fast and frantic and, and, and fun and it's really easy to just pick up and play. It's not over. It's one of those games where it's very easy to pick up and play and just get the hang of. Although if you want it to be really, really technical and really skill based, it can be. So it's very much like rocket league. And one of those things where it's like so easy for anyone to play, but so hard for anyone to master, if that makes sense. So I think it's a fun game. I definitely plan on playing a little bit more of it. But yeah, Knockout City is a, it's a good time. I definitely recommend it to any of you guys out there, especially knowing that most of you probably have access to it um, through Game Pass. So definitely go ahead and, and give that a try if you're looking for a fun little multiplayer romp over your weekend or something like that. It's it's definitely a good time. It's called Knockout City. It's a god-awful art style. Not a great name for a game, but it sure is a lot of fun. So... There's that. Next, OG Man brings up something that I'm really I'm really happy to talk about because this is something that weighs on me a lot. But OG Man says, Jesse, your Twitter handle is cool and all, but when are you going to drop that gamer tag? So OG Man is, of course, re- referring to last week, someone asked for my Twitter handle, so I read it on the show. And side note, thank you to all of you who, who went and followed me on Twitter. I did not expect it for that to happen, but a good handful of you did go out and find me. I do appreciate that. And 
I'm happy to have more friends to interact with on these social medias. But uh, OG Man, you you bring up something that's that kind of bugs me quietly. I, I never talk about this, but this is something that eats at me all the time, which is my obnoxious Twitter, YouTube, internet personality, internet existence persona name, whatever you want to call it, my my handle, my my tag. Which is second best. When I, I've said on the show before, many of you may recall, when I was in high school, I was in a stupid, shitty rock band called Second Best. Yes, I named it. It was named after a stupid Rookie of the Year song because I was a stupid fucking emo kid and, and, and the girl didn't like me back. What do you want to do about it, okay? Second Best, it was my high school rock band name, okay? Well, when I decided to stop doing music, I, I wanted to start doing more like, you know, I, I went through like a phase of like this and that and then I was like, you know what, I really want to start playing around with video games and trying to make stuff about video games. I started writing. So I was like, well, what name do you, do I use? I was like, well, I already have the handles all throughout social media of second best because of my rock band. Might as well just keep it and I'll slap gaming onto the end of it. You know, I I remember there was like a multi month process where me and a friend of mine who was going to initially work on like a YouTube page and a website with me, we were trying to come up with a name for it. And he kept saying, Oh, call it gluten-free gaming. And I was like, that's a a name that's funny today. And it's going to be extremely dated in like two months, but no. And we never did that, but I just ended up slapping gaming onto the end of second best and calling it a day just to be done with it. And man, oh man, has that name overstayed its welcome. It's, you know, my Twitter handle is second best. My YouTube is second best. My Xbox gamer tag is second best. <laughs> and I, I'm really tired of all of it. I, I want it to change. But the problem is I don't know what to change it to. It, it's, it's actually a multifaceted problem because first of all, is YouTube won't let you change your name until you become important enough in, in Google's eyes. So you have to have a certain amount of subscribers in order for them to be like, yeah, you can change the name. You can have a URL, all these things. So first of all, I need people to subscribe to Xbox on on YouTube. I need you to subscribe to my second best gaming page so I can be cool enough and popular enough to change my name and to add a URL and things like that so the, the page can be a little more official. So that's that's the first thing, okay? And the second thing is Twitter is, I think there's a way on Twitter to change your, your handle, but I don't know how. And I'm sure it's really easy and it's really doable. I've just never looked into it. But the whole thing with YouTube and trying to change it on there has always held me back from really taking it seriously, but I would like to change my my handle, my internet handle. Now, I will say, while I have no concrete ideas as to what to change it to, uh, I, I will say I've, I've done better since. I'm, I'm generally not good with naming things. I mean, look at the name of this podcast, Xbox On. It's not, it's not particularly inspired or creative, but it's better than second best gaming, of course. But uh, man, I, I like I I try to be I try to be better. I, I would say the best name I've ever come up with is probably my Twitch name. Although I never used Twitch, so you wouldn't you wouldn't know. But on Twitch, my name is you know I'm a huge fan of Disney Pixar's Cars. You know Lightning McQueen. So my my Twitch handle is Lightning McStreme, like stream like streaming video games. Lightning McStream. I love it. I think it's awesome. It really encapsulates me. I think it's awesome. I don't. It's it's stupid, it's corny, it's funny, and it's it's totally me. I love it, uh, and that's that's the best I've ever come up with. But that doesn't make sense for Twitter and for YouTube because Twitter and YouTube are not platforms where I'm streaming, nor is Twitch because I never use Twitch. But I, I I would like to have a name, like an all-encompassing name that works on all platforms, but I just, I can't come up with one, man. I just can't think of one to save my life. And so I'm like, okay, well, do I just change it to my fucking name? Do I just, at, on Twitter, I can just be at Jesse DeRosa? I'm like, that makes sense. 
uh, on, but on YouTube, that doesn't make sense. No one on YouTube, like think of a famous YouTuber who's like, oh yeah, here's my first and last name. A, a famous video game person who's like, oh yeah, my 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 awesomely famous multi-million subscriber YouTube account called Jesse DeRosa. Yeah, people love it there. Like, nah, you gotta come up with a cute name and the little persona and the identity and the little Fiverr image of you looking like an anime cartoon just like every other YouTuber. Like, you gotta do the whole nine yards, but I just can't think of it. I just, I'm always hitting a wall, OG man. So you gotta, you gotta help me out here. Listen, if anyone in the audience has a suggestion for a good name, I'm more than happy to take audience suggestions. If you guys, if, if the audience wants to come together and come up with a stupid name, like someone suggests something and, every, and someone else is like, Hey, I like that idea. And then everyone's like, yeah, go with that name, go with that name, go with that name. I'm, I'm open-minded to adopting a name. I'm open-minded to letting you do the heavy lifting so I can reap the benefits. Uh, that's, that's something I'm not opposed to. So let me know if you have a better idea. It is something I want to get around to eventually. I'm waiting to get to the point on YouTube where I can, where I'm eligible to even change my name. And once that's the case, I'll start taking this a little more seriously. But yes, I too think my Twitter handle, my YouTube name, my Xbox gamer tag, it's cringy. It's not good. I know. I'm not proud of it. Listen, you think I enjoy going up to girls at the bar and be like, oh, I'm at second best gaming. No. How do you think I got this way? But no, I just, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't have a good alternative right now. But maybe someday that will change. Now, guys, we're going a little long on the comments. I told you, it's a good week. I'm excited about what we have to talk about. So please indulge me. We do have a handful of uh, comments left, but I will try to speed it up a little bit just because we don't want to be here all day doing this. That's not what, you, it's not what you're here for. You guys aren't here for the comments. You're here for the uh, for the lewd photos of me and my Xbox Series X together alone. Maybe the cat's there. Who knows? Anyway, Lethal Migraine writes in with a little bit of a controversial one who says and says, I will be in Seattle on Xbox slash Bethesda Day for E3. Phil needs to let me watch with him so I can constructively critique the future of Xbox. As for what they need to show, nothing. It doesn't matter. E3 doesn't matter. The games they show don't matter. 99.9% .9 of gamers will never see anything at these presentations. They play the same handful of games every year, and they may sign up for Game Pass due to the great value, but the majority of active, actively seek... Sorry, but the majority don't actively seek gaming info. Most gamers have never heard of E3. Most gamers don't even care about E3. It's all rubbish. Well, Lethal Migraine, I gotta I got say, first of all, you know... You'll be in Seattle during the E3 press briefing, so I do want to let you know, I, I went ahead and I reached out to my boy Phil, I let him know that you will be in town during during that week, and so he's already confirmed with me that he'll be having you over at his place, so don't be late, he doesn't like when people are late, so he'll be having you over at his place uh, that week for uh, reduced fat potato chips and seltzer water while y'all watch the uh, press briefing together, so don't worry, Lethal Migraine, I, I got it hooked up for you, so you're, you're welcome. But to answer the rest of your question, I, I couldn't disagree with you more, Lethal Migraine, because even though I do think E3 is a dying brand and that Xbox could be just as successful, if not more, by ditching E3 and handling the marketing and the game reveals and everything by their by themselves do, doing their own Nintendo Direct-style presentations, I, I still think E3, you know, using it is still beneficial, and I still think that there's plenty to, to gain from participating in E3, namely, like, I mean, look no further than the Xbox One. Like, why did the Xbox One fail? Well, because Microsoft had a really, really piss poor showing at uh, during their May event and then at E3. And that E3 was so rough for them with the way they, you know, marketed the Xbox One that it basically set the stage for that console for the rest of the fucking generation and put Xbox in the hole compared to its competitor. So, I mean, 
E3 sure as hell mattered in 2013 when PlayStation fucking destroyed Xbox and Xbox made a fucking fool of themselves. So I, I for sure think E3 matters, at least to some extent. And remember, the main or the original intent of E3 is to explain to retailers and investors what's going on, right? So we might get excited as fans that, oh, they're going to show a release date in a gameplay trailer for this and that. I want to see Avowed. I want to see Forza, whatever. But that's not what E3 is all about originally. Originally, E3 is about, you know, these uh, retailers from places like Best Buy and Walmart and Amazon are going to be here. We need to sell this game to them so they know that this is a game they should buy a lot of copies from us for. This is a game they should be excited about and spend lots and lots of money on buying so that they can sell in their stores. And it's for investors. It's showing this is the new hype thing we have to show off and gamers are really excited about it. And this is why you should believe in our brand and invest in us. So E3 is definitely about more than just the gamer. Now, of course, over the years, it's evolved to such an extent that it almost seems like it's specifically and strictly a a community-focused by uh, for the gamers type event. And it has largely become that over time, sure. And yes, I, I see what you're saying. Most people that buy an Xbox don't watch E3, don't care about E3. They'll buy their Call of Duty and their Madden. They'll fuck off and they'll never give a shit about Avowed or Outer Worlds or Grounded or any of the other stuff Obsidian's making because for some reason I'm picking on them. Yes, I get that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter because what does matter is Xbox goes on stage at E3, they do a presentation, and then the fanboys go nuts and they start tweeting and YouTubing and all that shit. And before you know it, Everything about Xbox on YouTube is about their presentation. Everything on Xbox podcast is about their presentation. Everything from the gaming media websites is about what Xbox did at E3. And that is the news that percolates and that forms the image, the perception, and the brand for Xbox. And it sets the stage for how people think about it. And that stuff trickles down. You you don't think about it as such a one-layered thing. It's not like Xbox has a presentation and shows all of its fans and the gaming community at large what it's working on for 2021 and then the end of story. That's not how it works. It goes, you know, because all of we fucking nerds start talking about all the cool shit that happened at E3 and we talk and talk and talk about it and we make our YouTube videos and we do our posts on our websites and our blogs and our podcasts and we talk about it endlessly and the news trickles down because then, you know, the informed hardcore gamer nerd who pays attention to stupid shit because he has no life then goes to work and talks about it with his coworkers and then his coworkers suddenly know about it because they're vaguely interested in Xbox or they heard that new Watchdog game is somewhat interesting and maybe they'll pick that up and then that gets you know kids on the playground start talking at school and then other people know about it. and it trickles down and so the the conversation comes from the top after an event like e3 because it's all media and fans talking about it but then that conversation continues and throughout the year people talk about xbox based on what Xbox was at E3, right? You know, Xbox was pretty great during the 360 years and people had good things to say about them. And then E3 2013 happened. And then for the next couple of years, it was like, Xbox is kind of dumb because they have tiny wieners and all their games uh, have cars in them. And then everyone's like, oh, that's dumb. We should buy a PlayStation because the PlayStation is obnoxiously loud when you turn it on and it will have a, a God of War game that we can play. And then everyone's like, cool. Okay, Xbox lose, PlayStation win. And then that, trickle down like you can't fucking tell me you know i'm sure you got friends at school or work who are normies quote unquote who maybe own a playstation or own an xbox but don't give a shit about gaming other than like i like fall guys fortnite and roblox it's like sure but i'm sure that guy knows that xbox bad playstation good because that's been the tone set for the past generation thanks to things that happen at e3 so e3 totally matters because it sets the stage it's where the conversation begins But yes, it doesn't matter in the sense that 
Xbox should be relying on E3. If Xbox wanted to, they could they could ditch E3, they could be like Nintendo, and they could do a direct-style event, and the same shit could get accomplished. I agree. But E3 does matter in, you know, just in the sense it's it's the time of year where everyone comes together and talks about the same shit and focuses on the games industry. All the news happens, and then the thoughts and ideas and the conversations start percolating from there. And God damn it, maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Saltgrass update. Key Lime Guy, new commenter, says, Hello, Jesse. First time commenter, long time listener on Spotify. As a person who lived in Texas for 20 years, I felt the need to jump in on the Saltgrass slash Landry's topic. Glad to hear you got to try salt Saltgrass. Goddamn right. Uh, down here in San Antonio, they do really well business-wise, and they serve what many consider to be a step above a Longhorn or an Outback. Landry's, to me, is just is plain and simply on a different level. I grew up going to the one in Corpus Christi down at the Gulf. The restaurant is literally a boat that you have to walk a good ways on a dock to get to. The entire experience was so mesmerizing to me as a child that it still hits the same when I go there as an adult. Keep up the good work, and P.S. Whataburger will always and forever be better than In-N-Out, even though their pink lemonade slaps. So, I love this comment, Key Lime Guy. First of all, great name, Key Lime Guy. Uh, if you didn't exist, I would take that. Maybe that that could be my, my name, is Key Lime Guy on Twitter, and then I'd be like, Key Lime Gamer. Key Lime Gamer. I don't know. And then also your logo is a, a little Honda badge. So I know you like good car, right? Anyway, so this is a great comment because, you know, I'm a saltgrass guy. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, for those who are in the know with saltgrass, it's considered to be a step above the Longhorn and the Outback. Because that was kind of my takeaway from it as well. But I'm glad to know I'm not alone in thinking that. But most importantly, I love that there's this location down on the Gulf that's like on a boat and you have to walk out onto it and it's like a whole like mesmerizing themed experience because that's what I fucking love about Landry's man because so Landry's recently bought Joe's Crab Shack and here in Daytona Beach in Florida they have a Joe's Crab Shack that's on the pier but it's like all the way out into the water it's like super far into the water you gotta walk onto this pier go all the way down and there's this ma- massive fucking Joe's Crab Shack basically just floating in the goddamn water it's like we got crab legs it's like fuck you're on the goddamn water do you guys got care like no we got crab legs we don't give a shit and I'm like that's exciting. That's exciting. That's that's the shit I'm. I get it. I get pumped about. M- better example, more important example. Dude, Landry's owns Rainforest Cafe, man. Every time I go to Disney Springs or or Disney's Animal Kingdom and I see the Rainforest Cafe, I gotta pop in, if only for a minute, just to look around because I'm like, it's a fucking rainforest in here. You guys stop eating your fucking chicken sandwiches and burgers and Rasta pasta and for a second pay attention to the fact that you're in the Amazon motherfucking rainforest right now, and that that's special. And that's what Landry's delivers. And Landry's, they go out, they go out and they poach the restaurants that have that theming, and that, that, that charm, that uniqueness that I love so much. And I love that, you know, you being from Texas, the home of the Landry's, you know, that, 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 that spirit is also alive and well over there and that you are, you are pervy to it there. Now, I got to ask you this, Key Lime guy, because you're from Texas. Have you ever been to Galvin's, Galveston, Texas? Because that's where the Rainforest Cafe is that has a fucking water ride inside the Rainforest Cafe. There's a whole theme park ride inside that Rainforest Cafe. And one of these days, I'm going to go there just to ride it. But goddamn, mad shout out to Landry's. You guys know I'm a Landry's select card holder. That's because I'm badass. I'm an OG. I go around. I go to the bars. It's so fun, guys. Like, I'll go to the bar, you know. I'll, I'll go... And I'll, and I'll walk up to the counter and they'll be like, hey, we're, we're full with social distancing because of COVID. And I'll be like, no, 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 it's okay. And then I'll pull out my card and I'll be like, I'm Landry Select. And they'll be like, what the fuck does that mean? And then it gets me priority access because I'm I'm a Landry Select guy. I'm a Landry's guy. So I really appreciate that. I'm glad 
to have this shared this shared opinion. And you know what? I I've always had a, a feeling that Whataburger is probably better than In and Out, but again, I've never had either of those two chains, so I can't speak to that. But I'm excited to one day have both of those uh, burgers inside of me so I can really compare and contrast and, and have uh, formulate my own opinions. Let's round out with a couple of quick ones. We've got conspiracy time. The gaming noob jumps in and says, conspiracy, this is regarding microtransactions. Me and my coworkers were playing Fortnite a while back ago. Go ahead, roast me. I won't. There's nothing wrong with playing Fortnite. And we swore we wouldn't buy any skins. Then we all caved and bought skins and felt like we were... Uh, winning more games and it was easier to get kills is it just a mental thing thoughts i hope epic doesn't sue me and leak any sensitive documents well gaming noob they're definitely going to sue you and sensitively and leak sensitive documents but more importantly what kind of sensitive documents you got in there that you got to be all worried about having leaked so that's my first thing second thing gaming noob i stand by i i don't think you know especially in a game like fortnite i think that that is all in your head i don't think spending money in Fortnite has any real difference on how the game plays or feels. What I think happens is you buy some skins in Fortnite and all of a sudden because you've put money into the game, you feel more invested in the game and in your in your gameplay and in your experience with that game and you take it more seriously and maybe you perform a little bit. It's probably mostly psychological. I, I know for a fact I played Fortnite before, I didn't give a shit about it. Then they put Master Chief in Fortnite, so I spent twenty bucks to get all the Master Chief shit. And then I felt like I liked Fortnite a little more because I kinda looked like Halo a little bit when I I was running around the Master Chief world. And was I better at Fortnite? No. Did the skins make me better? No. Did I just care a little bit more because I like Halo and I like looking like Halo when I run around the Fortnite? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's my take on it. But listen, man, there's no right or wrong. Only only sad faces because Sam Torres wants to bring up something that's near and dear to my heart. He says, yeah, Toy Story 3, the precursor to our beloved Disney Infinity. They took that leap and Bob Iger said, Hulk figures killed it. So I've been told. Sam Torres is, of course, referring to last week I said I played Toy Story 3. And, of course, Toy Story 3 is a game that or that led to Disney Infinity, which is one of the greatest, top five greatest games of all time. And Bob Iger, the now former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, shuttered the gaming division because of many reasons. But, yeah, they always blame it on an oversaturation of Hulk figures, which is just a funny, stupid joke. We won't get into that. I just want to mention it because, if listen, saying Disney Infinity in my comment section is a surefire way to get right on the air because there's no way I'm not going to... Dude, Disney Infinity was so good. Disney Infinity was the Rainforest Cafe of Toys to Life games. Like, fuck me. It was so good. But anyway, that's enough about, about Disney Infinity. Last few comments here. Just the miscellaneous hobbies about me's and miscellaneous. Dead Captain James says, Damn, I forgot to comment outside my head again. I know I'm late to the conversation, but I did ask about you know, your favorite hobbies and things like that other than video games because someone wrote in the other day and asked me about that. So Dead Captain James says... My favorite hobby outside of video games is dirt bike riding. There's nothing more fun than powering through the woods and mountains on a motorcycle. P.S. Peanut M&Ms are the best M&M. Sorry, Jesse. P.P.S. Ketchup is great. Dead Captain James, do you do you want me to hurt you? Okay. I love you. Don't don't make me do this. So, Dead Captain James, I love I I think this is really cool. This is sorry. I, I I listen. You're all people. I like learning about you. Feel free to write in and tell me all about your freaky fantasies and fetishes. I, I like learning about you as individuals, but. Dude, dirt biking is cool, man. I actually used to own a motorcycle, so I never owned. I've never owned a dirt bike. I've never. I've never even ridden a dirt bike. I've ridden a BMX bike. Not even remotely the same thing. But yeah, I actually used to own a motorcycle, so I definitely know what it's like to ride a motorcycle through the mountains, in particular. And God, is there nothing like that? Motorcycles are 
Motorcycles are one of those things that fucking break you because once you ride a motorcycle and you get comfortable on one and you know that experience, it kind of destroys everything else for you. And as much as I love cars, I've never appreciated cars quite the same way again ever ever since I, I back when I had a motorcycle because it's just man riding a bike is there's just nothing like it. But that's dude, that's really cool. Uh, I, I've always wanted to to dirt bike just because man, I, that'd go that that'd be fun to just take a dirt bike off road and. To just learn how to go over maybe some very, very mild bumps or little courses just to kind of get a feel for it. Pretend you're in the X Games. Pretend you're cool. I, I think that's a pretty badass hobby. Um, but uh, but more important than that, you say P, PS, peanut M&Ms are the best. Sorry. Listen, I can forgive that. We all have our own opinions. I don't think the peanut M&Ms are the best M&M, but that's okay. Teach his own. But more important than that, you say PPS ketchup is great. So this whole dirt bike and M&M conversation and motorcycle was just, it was just the alcohol, the truth serum to get me to open up so that you could go ahead and pour salt in my fucking wounds and say ketchup is great. Dead, dead Captain James, more like dead Captain Lame. Why are you talking about ketchup on this show? Why do we have to bring ketchup in this? We were having a nice moment. We were talking about the mountain bikes. We were talking about the dirt bikes we were talking about the the motorcycles in the mountains we were reminiscing i was telling you about that time i was stupid and i bought a fucking motorcycle because i was a dumb dumb kid who wasted money on a motorcycle and thank god i didn't kill myself on that because motorcycles are super stupid and dangerous but man i miss my bike sometimes and you made me open up about this and i want to hear about it tell me about dirt bikes do you do, you do this competitively do you do this for fun i would love to know more about it but you gotta bring ketchup into it dude not cool dirty pool Objects in Space, another great name, says, Hi, Jesse. I just wanted to say that I love the podcast and that it's something I always look forward to. I've been listening for about one year now, and I really enjoy your takes on games, food, and the way you interact with the audience and the humor of the show. I grew up playing PlayStation and transitioned... Done. No, just kidding. I grew up playing PlayStation and transitioned over to Xbox in the 360 era. I moved back and forth between the two over the generations and decided that I should just get both because enjoying games is more important than some silly console war. Agreed. Both are incredible and have their strengths and weaknesses, though I must say your podcast has made me realize all over again why I got Xbox in the first place, why I got into Xbox in the first place. I've always enjoyed your con- your conversational... I've, o- I've always enjoyed your controversial opinions on food. That is until your comments on ketchup. God damn it, here we go again. I cannot sit idly by while you shit on the greatest sauce in the history of mankind. Wars have been started over less. Burgers, fries, hot dogs, meat pies, etc. All are made by this incredibly diverse condiment. All are made better by this incredibly diverse condiment. Also, shout out to Sarugi. He is the one that recommended your podcast. And he is one of the reasons why I think Couch Co-op is still so great. Listen, man. Okay? Again, God, Dad Captain James didn't even do it this bad. You come in here. You, you do the nice thing. You, you take me down memory lane. You wind me. You dine me. And then, boom, you fucking stab me with a knife. You go, oh, by the way, ketchup. Dude, this is like my girlfriend coming up to me and be like, Oh, Jesse, I love you so much. I'm so happy to be with you. I like when we go to Disney World together because I love Disney. Epcot is great. Do you want to go eat Disney pizza and then go home and uh, observe your Xbox and talk about how cool it is and how many um, teraflops it has? And I'll be like, oh, my God, you're the girl of my dreams. I'm so happy to be with you. And then she's like, just kidding, and then pulls a bottle of Heinz ketchup from behind her back and starts spraying it all over our bed. And she's like, ah, fuck white bed sheets. Now it's all ketchup colored. And then I start start crying and then she starts laughing and then my cat starts crying and then I jump out the fucking window because I live on the third floor of an apartment building and God knows I'm not going to make that fall. I can barely fucking drop, stop, stop, drop and roll. <laughs> but you got to come in with the ketchup comments and you're breaking my heart, man, because 
I love I love it. I, I relate so much to what you're saying. Same thing. I grew up in a household. We got the with the PlayStation. You know, Xbox wasn't even out yet. We got the PS1. Then my parents got us a PS2. It was a very PlayStation Nintendo centric home. And so some somehow I grew up to love Xbox and Sega. But I, I love I love Xbox. It's you know especially doing the show. It's it's made me grow even more and more of a connection with Xbox. And I really do love this brand. But I do have a great appreciation in history with Sony. And and I'm able to see that console wars are stupid. And all these things, and I wanna, I wanna agree with you and relate with you over all these things, but th- you gotta go and say the ketchup thing, and then you reveal yourself as non-American because you say burgers, fries, hot dogs, meat pies. What the fuck, dude? Pie should be stuffed with apple or blueberry or key lime, but fucking meat pies, and then you put ketchup on top of that. That's some fucking dirty ass meatloaf loving motherfucker shit. What is this all about? And then you say surugi, so that probably means you're Australian, which means then I gain a lot of respect for you because I, I like the Aussies a lot. I think the Australia is a cool country. You guys had a Sega Joyopolis back in the day. You guys had a Sega world theme park and then it, it, it went abandoned, which kind of sucks. But now I'm just regurgitating things I've watched on YouTube and it's all a big distraction to say, why, why you got to be such a cool guy. You got a cool name, you know, objects in space, badass name. You, you tell me all about the Xbox, the PlayStation, the silliness of the console war. And then you got to pull the ketchup. Why? Maybe Joe Murphy can uh, pull us back to reality, you know, calm us down, bring us back to a place of, of a clear mind. And says, so I bought Biomutants and Mass Effect Legendary. Been playing both games, really liking both. Thanks. I, uh, I I worked on both of them. I made both of them, so I'm glad you're enjoying them. Taco Bell Naked Chicken Chalupa Tacos are the best. I think Blue M&M's taste the best. Sorry, just kidding. So I got a new four-month-old puppy a few weeks ago, and she loves eating Taco Bell with me. Take care. Really enjoy hearing your show while I'm driving to work. Well, Joe, aren't you just a pleasant guy? You're talking about good video games, talking about good food. You got a cute little puppy that I wish I could see a picture of because goddamn, I love puppies. Four-month-old puppy. That must be the fucking cutest thing in the world. And, and then that's it. No ketchup. No backstabbing. Just a nice guy with some nice words to share. Move on. Happy day. Everyone's cool. You know, war's over. No ketchup. But also, Joe, I, I worry about you feeding a puppy... Taco Bell, make sure that, you know, you're careful about what you're giving a puppy because I can't, I can't imagine Taco Bell's all that great for a puppy, but you know what? I trust your, your puppy paw instincts and hopefully, you know, I, I'm sure you're doing what's best for the doggy. Anyway, Mavs man has our last comment of the week as we round our fourth hour of comments this week and says, so if Popeye's Taco Bell, McDonald's and Panera bread were all close to my work, how would I divide up my lunches during the week? And that's a rephrase of a question I posed last week. And Mavsman nicely says, pretty easy, actually. I drive right past the boarded up Panera bread because no one wants that overpriced and shitty tomato super grilled cheese sandwich. Right on up to the Taco Bell, a minimum of two times a week. Popeye's another two times and hella delicious spicy chicken. And I'll even give the Golden Arches some love once a week. Mavsman, that is beautifully said. You know, you got fuck Panera. Uh, and then of a five-day work week, you got two Taco Bell, two Popeyes, and one McDonald's. I think that is a very fair and even distribution of the love. My only regret in this in this entire comment is that work weeks are five days where they should be six. Because if we had six-day work weeks, then you could have uh, McDonald's twice a week and then it would be two, two, and two. I really love that comment. I really appreciate that thoughtful response. And, and, and Mavs, man, as always, I'm crossing my arms like an X here. Fuck Panera Bread. And that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, concerns, thoughts, ideas, whatever from the audience. Guys, thank you for writing in if you wrote in. If you didn't write in, that's okay. You're free to do whatever the fuck you want. But if you wrote in and you mentioned something about ketchup, just know I don't hate you. 
I'm disappointed in you. And for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Now let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. Japanese food time. Noodle time. I don't know. My girlfriend and I found this YouTuber I really like. I forget his name. Ah, his name is uh, Strictly Dumpling on YouTube. And so my girlfriend and I have been watching this guy on and off lately. And uh, I just like watching his videos. He goes around. I guess he travels to different countries. I think he's from California. But he'll go to like, uh, like, like Korea or or Taiwan, or Japan, or whatever, and just makes videos of, like, him eating awesome food everywhere. He goes to, like, Tokyo Disney and eats food. He goes to, like, 7-Eleven in Japan and eats food. He goes to, like, 7-Eleven in Hawaii and eats food. And it's just really fun videos of this guy just eating awesome, delicious food, usually Asian food. And um, we just, like, we just watched a bunch of his shit, and then we were like, hey, I'm so fucking hungry for, like, really good noodles and stuff. So over Memorial Day, we did the most American thing you can possibly do, and we uh, just after watching a bunch of his videos, ran out to the Asian supermarket in downtown Orlando and just bought a ton of fucking noodles. Just so much, like, prepackaged ramen bullshit. Tried so many different brands of udon and tonkatsu ramen and and, and just all these different noodle bowls and shit like that. And uh, took them home and just been trying all these different brands and flavors and noodles. And I'm just having a real, like, uh, noodle feeling right now. I got some ramen while I was up there and Really, really feeling the noodles. One of the big regrets I have living here in Orlando is it can be hard sometimes to find really good Asian food places. Um, and I guess it's it's not that the the options are bad here. It's just that there's not a terrible, terribly great amount. Actually, I haven't found good Chinese food at all since I moved here. So, so I will say that. But it's not that the options in general are just terrible for everything. But like... I don't know. Like I've had like a, a friend of mine took took me and my girlfriend uh, a couple months back to a hot pot place, and that place was actually awesome. But like I haven't been able to find like good Chinese takeout. I've only been able to find like decent Japanese food. I haven't really found like any Korean barbecue, although I'm sure there's something good out there. But like it's it's been tough. Definitely haven't been able to find a good pho restaurant. We've been we've been trying a couple of them. Haven't really found good pho or like yeah, we found good, just not great pho. And uh, it's, it's, it's been hurting me because I'm really feeling the noodles all the time now. So that's a whole thing. I'm actually going to Georgia in a few weeks to visit family. Might have to make a little detour to Buford Highway and, and, uh, and hit up some of those awesome Asian restaurants for some really, really good noodles. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've been on the eating thing. I just, I'm, I'm constantly craving noodles. I just want to eat noodles and put them inside my face all the time. But, uh, I, that's it for what I've been eating. I've honestly, I need to try another naked chicken chalupa Supreme before those things go away. Cause I've only had it once since they've come back. Oh, the other thing, that's the other thing I want to tell you about. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I think I might have, but God damn it guys. So there's a new McFlurry at McDonald's it is a limited time McFlurry and it is brownie bits and caramel in just the classic McFlurry soft serve. And guys, this thing is fucking incredible. It's incredible. You know I'm an M&M McFlurry guy over Oreo. That's simply the case. But man, oh man, for the time being, this limited time flavor has got to be gobbled up. It is so goddamn good. Listen, go out of your way to get to McDonald's and try this. It is the brownie bites and caramel. I'm not sure what the official name is, but that's what they put in it. And it's so fucking good it's worth every calorie it's worth every penny it's worth every uh, a minute closer to your death as a result of having eaten this treat it is so so good in fact just thinking about it right now i'm probably going to get another one of these sometime in the next few days very very good treat I highly highly recommend mickey d pulling out the big guns with a new mcflurry that just simply cannot be beat and uh that's it for what i've been eating now as for what i've been playing guys i've been a bit of a bad boy but i actually feel good about it because I've been focusing so much on studying for my IT class that 
I just have I've been so behind on games and I feel like I'm just having my backlog bury me as we move closer to like Scarlet Nexus and the Ascent and all these other games coming out that I really want to play. So because I had a long weekend and I'm just kind of burnt out on all this studying, I just said, fuck it, enough is enough. And I just decided no studying for the next few days. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to have fun, kind of catch up on some gaming. I'm kind of blocked out of the parks right now because the Memorial Holiday Memorial Day weekend just was kind of busy, so we were avoiding the theme parks, and uh, I just stayed home and played tons of video games. I, I went back, having really wanted to play Resident Evil 8, I went back and said, nah, you gotta finish Resident Evil 7 first, because I started it a couple years ago, I never finished it, I own it, there's no there's no point in buying the next game if I haven't even finished the previous one, so sat down, finished playing through Resident Evil 7, Guys, that game's really great. As I said on Twitter, I think Resident Evil 7 is a very good game. I still think, you know, as as a relatively new fan to the Resident Evil franchise, my, my brothers have always been really big on those games, but I've only recently gotten into them. As a newer fan of the Resident Evil franchise, I, I gotta say my favorite one I've played so far, which I haven't played many of them, but my favorite one so far is still Resident Evil 3 Remake. I thought that one was really good, the one that came out last year. Uh, but Resident Evil 7 is really good. I, I love this move into like a first person kind of horror game as someone who really appreciated games like outlast i think this is a really cool move and kind of reinvention of the of the brand and resident evil 7 is a game that i think uses the new conventions of the of the game of the franchise to really great effect in terms of pacing in particular the game is really well paced it seems it feels like so much of the game i think the game i'll put it this way the game is a masterclass in game design just in the simple way of like, we have we have this whole environment you can explore. And you know, you can go in this door, you can go in that door, you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go up, you can go down, explore however you like. But the game does such a great job or the, or the developers did such a great job of designing the game in such a way that you're naturally drawn to the places the game wants you to go. So all the scripted moments are used to such great effect because it's like, okay, they want you to, once you get in this room, to lean towards this door, to interact with this object, to go around the back and check out this to read this note and of course you can do it in any order you want you can explore the game any way you want you get lost you can go the wrong direction but the game design i feel in this game is so is so well done the level design the world design is so well done that the game just naturally always draws your attention or i felt like in my experience always drew my attention to exactly where it wanted me to go while also giving me the feeling that I could be going this way or that way, right or wrong, could be getting lost, could be going the right way, don't know. And I felt like as a result of that, it always felt like I was in control of where I was choosing to explore, but really the game knew where it was bringing me and what it was bringing me towards and what scripted event was going to happen next. And that kept the pacing going in a really smooth and fluid way. There was only like really one or two instances in the game where I ever stopped and was like, oh, wait, what do I have to do here? And kind of think about it. Otherwise, it just felt like a very, very smooth and consistent like progression of just like then this happens then this happens then this happens but it's not like boom 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 super fast it's it feels like a very natural flow for the game's pace for a horror game for a slow game for a game where you are relatively defenseless compared to what you're up against it is a game that feels perfectly paced in like the exploration and and is entirely up to you but also it's in the game's hands and they know what you're doing what you're looking at what you're interacting with and honestly, I think all that is the result of masterclass game design. And I really got to praise Resident Evil 7 for that. Visually, the game holds up great. I mean, the game's like four years old now. Still looks phenomenal on my Series X. I really want to play Resident Evil 8 because I think 
I, I'm told that game is incredible looking, and I just think the art direction and the environments they chose for that game are just so pretty. I really want to experience that on my Series X, but that's the first game I've been playing is Resident Evil 7, so I really enjoyed that. Then I moved on to the one that's really been nagging at me lately, which is Outriders, because I, I was so high on Outriders leading up to its launch, and when the demo came out, I was on this podcast all the time saying, I think people are sleeping on this game. I think it's pretty good. I think people are missing out on something really special here, and that this game is be- going to be better than people think it will be. And lo and behold, Outriders comes out, and yes, I was right. I I firmly believe Outriders is a very, very good game, and people are just sleeping on this. Yes, it's selling well. Yes, Square Enix is talking about how it, it's beat their expectations, and they're very pleased with the performance of the game. But that being said... I still feel like games media was a little harsher on this game than they should have been. And and it does feel like a lot of like the quote unquote hardcore gamer scene has just been a little like forget, forget about this game. You know, like it seems like a lot of casuals and a lot of like lesser outspoken people are out here playing this game and enjoying it. But in the games community and media, it just seems like outriders kind of didn't get a fair shake. And I think that sucks because this game is really awesome. My favorite thing about this game is that it feels so in the best way possible, authentically like a modern day double A game. Like we don't get a lot of that mid tier anymore, but Outriders feels mid tier. In terms of like level of polish and just fun to play and all that shit, it is very high quality, very well put together. But in just in terms of like not trying to break the mold or like be the most gritty storytelling god of war last of us type experience you know in terms of that it it leans a lot more of like something you would have seen in like the ps2 ps3 xbox 360 era of like destroy all humans or or mercenaries or like army of two or something like that and i really really miss that era of gaming i I talk about all the time on the show I i think Gaming sorely needs more of that, and luckily, you know, with with brands like THQ Nordic, I think we're getting more and more of that back. But Outriders to me feels like a pinnacle of the of that style of game, and we just don't get that a lot. So it felt so refreshing to play it, because Outriders, from a gameplay standpoint, and and and, and let me preface with this: I think I played Outriders wrong. I played completely solo solo player. Uh, because solo play, because you know the the team I was originally going to play with kind of bailed on me. Uh, curse you nephew of mine and my brother who just never committed to it but um I, I ended up playing the entire game alone and honestly by like the midpoint of the game I totally forgot the game was like kind of intended to be played together with friends and to be loot driven because I got so engrossed with just playing it as a single player game that it felt so naturally like a single player game it didn't feel like a multiplayer game so the game does a fantastic job of making itself accessible if you're just there for the traditional game you're not there for the meta content or the post game shit or the loot grind and all that you're just there to play a good game and experience a good campaign feels great that way the gunplay is incredible the abilities are awesome i played as a pyromancer and i love the fire abilities and and the kind of encouragement to use your fire abilities constantly in order to regain health and so you have to play really aggressively even though it's a cover based third person shooter the game really really punishes you if you try to take cover and just like pick off enemies one by one it really pushes you to constantly be like charging the enemies and and pushing yourself onto them and using your abilities to regain your health and it really makes the combat really dynamic and forces you to use a combination of your three weapons paired with your abilities and your dodge mechanics and all this stuff and i think the game is such a fun game from that standpoint people can fly once again proving they understand badass action gameplay better than most because i mean i played i played uh bullet storm reclip or 
whatever it was, the re-release of Bulletstorm a few months ago, and I was telling you then, like, I can't believe I slept on this game back when it came out. This has quickly become one of my favorite, like, 360-era games, and I can't believe it took me until just now to finally play it. That's kind of how I feel about um, about Outriders, is that, like, this has quickly become one of those, like, games that's not going to get a huge amount of recognition over the years, but it has quickly become one of those, like, oh, this is kind of like a sleeper hit or a cult classic in my book, or for me, um, and I just, I don't know, man, I think Outriders is great, and people knock on, like, the story and shit, and, like, yeah, dude, it's absolutely corny, it's absolutely B-tier in terms of, like, it's acting and performances, and some of the cutscenes are really, like, rough and budgety, especially towards the end, and some of the, you know, some of the cinematic end stuff is a little, like, anticlimactic, but, like, the story itself, the synopsis, the outline of what they're going for, the lore they built around this universe is actually awesome it's so so cool actually i think outrage is such a cool game this idea of like earth becomes this untenable place and like all the nations of the world have to come together and create these generation ships to leave earth and they find this new planet where they can sustain life and then like just the, the kind of whole story about like they land on this planet and things are not what they seem and then like 30 years go by and you're just kind of dropped in and you're trying to figure out like what happened you know half the people who came to this planet ended up dying and like life has been really strenuous and like humanity isn't surviving well and just kind of figuring out that story and then as you get to the game end of the game i won't spoil it but like finding out like what happened to the other people the other survivors that were left on earth and how you know how they survived and the enemy and all that kind of stuff and and the native population on enoch which is the new planet you're on like learning all the background to all these different factions all these different groups becomes actually really really engrossing and i, I fully expected outriders to be a game where i was like yeah the story is whatever you're here because the gameplay is fun but by the end of the game the thing i cared about the most was actually the story and that really surprises me to say so i'll stop there but man outriders is two big old thumbs up for me especially as an xbox gamer just knowing that i got this game through game pass i didn't have to put 60 bucks down it was just included in my 15 dollars subscription that i was already going to have anyway is a massive massive get for people like me and i really hope you know if you're someone who is curious about this game but hasn't given it a try i really think you ought to give it a try it is very fun like i have no interest in the post game and all the uh loot grind i might go back and play some side missions that i miss but like I, i'm i'm done with the game for the most part but like i i love that it is a game that caters to people who want to play it a little more of like a a looter shooter if you want but for people like me who just want a fun campaign it was a really really great experience and it never felt it never had that destiny effect of like this is a great game but i can tell i'm only getting like 70 percent of the experience because i don't have people to play with it felt like this is a great game that will let me fully enjoy it despite the fact that I want to play that I, that I am here playing it alone. And uh, I mean, major props to that. Other than that, um, that's it for the most part with gaming. I've been playing a little bit of Sonic Forces and, and Sonic Unleashed and just kind of going back and playing some Sonic games out of excitement for some of the news this week, which uh, we won't put off any any further. We'll, we'll actually jump into that. Sonic will be in the news this week, spoiler alert. And uh, now that we're an hour and a half into the show, guys, let's let's jump into the news. Okay, so we don't actually have a lot of news this week, so if you were thinking, wow, you went really long on the comments this week, what the hell is going to happen by the time we get to the news? Well, don't worry, you're not going to have too long an episode here, so calm down. But yeah, I mean, we don't have like, it's a pretty short news week, and the news we have isn't like something to really, really dive into for too long, but uh, again, it's it's a fun news week for me. I'm having fun with it because uh, it's, it's stuff I give a shit about talking about to you. We don't got to talk about Hideo Kojima making another Strand game, okay? We can just talk about 
normal normal guy stuff like Sonic the Hedgehog. Anyway, first story coming from IGN. Far Cry 6 has a release date. Ubisoft confirmed last week that its latest entry in its popular open world series will be out on October 7th. Ubisoft revealed the release date during the Far Cry 6 stream that ran later last week. Uh, it will be the fall's first major tentpole release for, for Ubisoft, which isn't expected to release uh, a new Assassin's Creed this year. So, just Far Cry, no Assassin's Creed. Like the rest of the series, Far Cry 6 will pit players against a vicious leader. In this case, fascist dictator Anton Castillo, who will be played by Giancarlo Esposito. Castillo will be featured guiding his son Diego in the midst of a revolution. Far Cry 6 will feature all the familiar trappings of a Ubisoft open world series, including animal companions and strange weapons. Far Cry 6 was first announced back in 2020. Uh, it was originally scheduled to release in released this past February, but was delayed uh, due to complications, of course, COVID-19, all that shit. It was then delayed to like May, and then it was delayed into nothing. So now, now it's October. There is an extended gameplay trailer available now, which you can watch on YouTube if you want to see the game running in action. So I didn't sit down and watch the whole stream. I, I, I was at work, so I tuned in right like 30 minutes after the stream happened. I tuned in, and then I, I, I just kind of went back and scrubbed through it. Kind of glad I didn't watch every second of it. Because it was one of those really boring, like, here's 40 minutes talking about one game kind of stream where it's just a lot of, like, create like executives and people at the studio just being like, uh, in this game, we, we wish to... It's always, like, some fucking French guy from Ubisoft. In this game, we wish to make players uh, really feel like they're in the world of Far Cry, which means they will be able to, in French, how you say... Eat the baguette in French. And in this Far Cry game, we want to give players the choice to make their own decisions in this game. It will feature many French movie characters like Francois Frenchman and uh, Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> and uh, God, that's a really bad French accent. But anyway... But yeah, it's just it's just kind of bullshit. It's just like yeah, they they say that kind of bullshit they say in any of these presentations where they're just like, what makes the next generation of Far Cry so special is we're empowering the player to make the ultimate choice. Blah blah blah. Like they're, they're like really driving home the fact that like your character's like identity can be fluid and all that stuff. Which I'm like, that is cool that like you can you know you can make your character non-binary in this game. Like whatever. Yeah, that is a cool feature. But I would argue. What, what started to make Far Cry really weak was in Far Cry 5 when they let you make your own character because part of what makes Far Cry 3 and 4 so legendary, in my opinion, is that your character, who is a set, determined character by the creator, by the writers, is so integral to the story because the story is almost always about how you, as a human, are like some shithead thrown into this conflict and then you become some like mass killer. But if you make it a game where the player gets to create their own character that means okay mute character no dialogue no talking no real agency as determined by the story it's all determined by what the player imagines it to be which it's just so lazy i'm sorry man i've said this before on the podcast and i'll say it a million times after this it is so lazy when a game developer tries to get on stage and say we want to give players the agency over their own over their own game we want to give them the opportunity to create their own stories and play as themselves and feel like they're really a part of this experience it's like no that is just a really fancy pr way of saying we are lazy assholes who didn't develop a story for your character who didn't develop an identity for your character which gives us this massive loophole and way out of 
writing the game because when you don't have a character who has an a set identity, a name, a, a voice acting, dialogue, interaction with the other players in the game, it allows you to just really blanket, generic, vague story plots, like plot points, where it's just like player interacts with bad guy. Bad guy tells him, you know, his whole plan. Uh, character is mute because it's a build your own character game. And then bad guy says, oh, you are being short with me. Well, I am French because I'm a Ubisoft character. Wah, wah, wah. And pulls out a, a bomb that looks like a croissant or whatever the fuck happens, you know? And it's like, okay, well, that's that's kind of dumb, right? It's like, yeah, it's cool that you can like cr- create your own character, make them non-binary, dress them up as you see fit, choose their hairstyle. Like all that shit's cool. I like doing that in games. I think that's it's cool that that games exist where you can do that. But remember what makes Far like Far Cry 3, the most popular Far Cry game in terms of like uh, in critical reception, things like that, right? Let's use that as an example. I don't remember the guy's last name, but his, his name's Jason, I believe. Your character is a total douchebag asshole. He the whole premise of the game is you are this rich, privileged little white asshole who comes from California, and you and all your other rich white friends who just come from super wealthy families and live these really privileged lives, just get to go on these amazing vacations, go all over the world, get to do all these cool things, and you go to this cool island so you can go skydiving and swimming at these beautiful beaches and just take advantage of this like local culture that you don't have any respect for and you're just going to trample all over, but you're going to go to this country just so you can have awesome times with your friends, you get drunk on the beach, and take great Instagram photos. That's literally the premise of the game, is you play as this asshole, and then you get stuck on this fucking island, your friends get kidnapped, your brother gets murdered, you get basically sold into slavery, and then you have to escape your way out, try and save your friends, and watch yourself become the very thing you're fighting against, an even bigger threat, an even bigger villain, an even bigger asshole than these guys who've captured you and it's about watching this guy turn from one type of douchebag to an even more dangerous and threatening type of douchebag and it's a really cool it makes for a very cool game with a very cool cast of characters and a very intriguing story and that's why Far Cry 3 is so fucking cool what makes Far Cry 5 lame is they build a really, really awesome villain, and then you get to choose your own character. You can choose their skin color, their hair color, their outfit, their height, their weight, all that shit. It's like, that's cool. It's cool at the beginning of the game when you're making the character, but then you get thrown into the game, and you have this super badass villain, but he can't interact with your character because your character is just this visually creative thing that you got to make, but it has no identity. And it has no dialogue. And it doesn't get to bounce off the other characters in the game because it's a fucking mute character. It's like a goddamn Nintendo character. It can't be interesting because it can't talk. It can't interact. It can't do anything. And I think it's so incredibly lazy when games do this now. I Like, like listen, man. In 2003 or whatever it was, when I was playing Tony Hawk's Underground, and the game was like, listen, man, you get to create your own skater. What gender are you? What what outfit are you wearing? What does your hair look like? When I was like eight years old playing Tony Hawk's Underground, I was like, this is the coolest fucking game ever. I love Character Creator, and I hope this is here to stay forever. And I love it in that game. But guess what? No one cares about Tony Hawk's Underground because they care about the badass story. No one cares. That's a game where creating a character makes perfect sense. You want to create your own, you know, like Guitar Hero. You want to create your own rock star to identify with as you play in your living room and pretend you actually know how to play a musical instrument. Like, that's cool. But when I play Far Cry and it's a game all about like really intense villains and open world and a large setting and story and big scope and scale, I want you to create a cool character 
for me to get invested in. Let build a story for me to enjoy. And man, I'm getting way too bogged down in the weeds about this, but like, I, th- that was my first initial takeaway from Far Cry 6 was like, why are they harping so much on how cool it is to create your own character and all the cool options they've added to expand the character creation? When I'm like, when we w- we know damn well what this actually means is your character is going to be boring as fuck and not interact. The, the, other, the other thing and the biggest part here is, guys, remember, Far Cry is a first person game. I don't give a shit what you make your character look like. It's first person. You're not going to see your goddamn character. It might as well just give you only one option. What skin color are your hands? Because that's the only thing you're going to see. Like, let, let me choose a glove nail polish and a skin tone for my hands because that's the only thing you can really customize i don't care what like outfit i've chose for my character or what hairstyle i chose for my character because it's first person i'm never gonna see it sure but like i mean if you really care about character customization a first person game all i really need to be able to do is adjust like my fingernail color like adding nail polish or something that'd be cool uh changing my gloves that'd be cool like otherwise i don't really know what else there is to change or i guess your shoes you can change your shoes because if you look down you can see your character's feet so that'll be the other thing like I, you can choose like your gloves your nail polish and, and your shoes basically that's character customization because what the fuck does it matter what my character looks like and have you ever played a far cry game like the cinematics never pull out and really show your guy in far cry five at all so like i I don't know that that's the first thing is like instantly they're selling me on like this snake oil talking about how this game is going to be so amazing and it's going to offer such a wacky story and take far cry to the next level i'm like you're literally showing me the same fucking far cry game we've seen since far cry 3 let's just to remind you that's far cry 3 far cry 4 far cry primal far cry 5 far cry 5 new dawn far cry 6 it's been a long time. Far Cry 3 came out in 2012, man. We're hitting almost 10 years of this being the Far Cry formula. And I'm just here like, shit, like, do something, man. Like, do something new. And and this is my worries. Far Cry, it's a really, really popular game. These games sell really, really well. And my concern is that Far Cry has hit Call of Duty status for Ubisoft. It's this thing of they found the formula that works. They found the exact combination to make Far Cry just super well, super well received and sell really well commercially, whatever. Far Cry 5, despite not, despite being my least favorite Far Cry I've played, is the best-selling Far Cry in the series. And so that leads me to believe Far Cry 6 will probably be the best-selling Far Cry game to date. Don't, don't get me wrong at all. I, watching the trailers, watching the gameplay reveal, Giancarlo Esposito's character looks awesome. Like, this guy looks really interesting. He looks like a, another great Far Cry villain. Usually the thing Far Cry does well is that he's really great antagonist. I'm really excited to see this guy on screen and to see his character and to see the crazy shit he says and does. Awesome. But I hate the idea that, like, he has to be a one-man show now because my character is a fucking mute blank canvas because Ubisoft took the lazy approach and was like, oh, you can create your own character. You can choose what kind of headband they wear and... What kind of socks they fucking wear, I guess. So, you know, no character, just a, a blank canvas for you to fuck around with. So that that's my big thing. Other than that, I thought the game looked incredibly uninspired. It just looked like more Far Cry, and which isn't a bad thing. Let's, like I like Far Cry. Far Cry gameplay is great, but this game just looked like more Far Cry. The trailer looked incredibly generic. It did that like stupid thing where it tried to be cool. It syncs up the music to the trailer. It tries to do that cool gamer humor. It's like, oh, look, there's a gun that's like a record player and it plays that Macarena song and then he shoots a record. And it's like, it's not funny. It's not cute. It's not, it's not like on some fun brand or anything. It's just like, shut up, dude. Like Far Cry 3 and 4 were so good because it like 
reinvented the Far Cry brand and created amazing characters in all regards for you to get super invested in. And then Far Cry 5 really dropped the ball by being like, here's an awesome potential, a potentially awesome setting, a really cool villain, and then squandering it by forcing you to check all the boxes in these areas before you can progress and building all these side characters that don't matter. And then having your character be a fucking mute that doesn't do anything. So it doesn't even, you feel no connection between your character and the enemy, which really sucks because having a villain this insane would be really cool to see how they play against your, your character. But your character is not a real human if your character is just a stupid mute humanoid thing then there's not really anything interesting to see here so i'm droning on and on at this point but i gotta be honest man i i will play far cry 6 but i think this game has been demoted from game i will probably play pretty early this year remember this this game i put it on my top five most anticipated games of 2021 but it's officially been demoted to like game i will play when it's like 40 dollars. i'm sure it will be good i'm sure it will play just like far cry 5 because they're not doing anything special here. They're just cash grabbing on the next Far Cry entry because they know this series is popular. I'm sure it will be fun. I'm sure I will enjoy it and see it through to completion. And I'm sure it will be paint by numbers just as good as 5, probably not nearly as good as 3 and 4. That's my expectation at this point. But it seems like a lot of people were really excited about it and that overall the response was like, hey, more Far Cry, that's great. So I'm glad that's the case. It is coming out this October. For those interested in getting it when it comes out, it's nice to know that we get it a full month before Halo so you can get this game in before, you know, games like Halo and and, and whatever else comes out this year, you know, can kind of shine in the in the later fall months or holiday time. So that's Far Cry 6. I'm, uh, yeah, you know, just less interested in that, but whatever. Next one, speaking of games like Far Cry, is Dying Light 2. So Windows Central reports or relays that Dying Light 2, the second installment in Techland's apocalypse-bound role-playing series, has made its return to re- um, with a reworked name and release date. The upcoming title, first unveiled in 2018, has laid low in recent years, with development steadily underway and on piecing together its zombie-infested open world. The project has re-emerged a couple times with gameplay and now gunning for a December 7th, 2021 release date, so exactly two months after Far Cry. Dying Light 2 is now formally known as Dying Light 2's Stay Human, expands on the events of the 2015 game, and the sequel promises a vaster scope, doubling down its previous role-playing triumphs. It includes branching narrative paths, pitching an ambitious world-changing scale, and adding depth over its predecessor. Techland has shared uh, its latest Dying Light 2 Stay Human through a dedicated stream dubbed Dying to Now. Dying to Know. The first of a multi-part series exploring various facets of the game. The trailer provides an insight in the recent progress, including its story and how the world ties into the broader ambition of the next entry. The game is av- will be available for Xbox One, Series X and S, and PC when it comes out on December 7th. And of course, you can go to the Dying Light YouTube page if you want to check out the gameplay footage and trailers from the event. So, Dying Light 2, another game that's very Far Cry-esque in nature, a game that I really enjoyed when it came out in 2015. You know, Dying Light 2, finally, this game is legit. It's coming out. It has a release date. It's a thing. Hopefully it makes this release date and uh, everything goes well because this game's had something of a tumultuous tumultuous development cycle now. But I, I gotta say, this game I am now it's like it's like they kind of flipped. Dying Light 2, I was like, ooh, that game's in development. Hell, I don't know if I'm excited for it. But now it's like I've gone from Far Cry 6, yes, to like Far Cry 6, I'll get to it when I get to it. 
to like Dying Light 2. Let's see how that turns out to like Dying Light 2. Oh, I'm pretty excited for that. So now Dying Light 2 is kind of taking the Far Cry spot in, in my mind. I'm really excited for this game because I thought this the first one had a pretty cool story, pretty cool world, really fun gameplay. The parkour with zombies in a kind of Far Cry-like gameplay setup was really cool to me. I thought that was very original, very unique, very fun. So if my problem with Far Cry was that this insistence on like character creation taking away from making a story with an interesting character, my issue with Dying Light 2 is it plays into another one of my big gripes that I think is often an excuse for good storytelling, which is branching narrative paths, which is just such a tricky thing. It is so rare that this works out because again, it's like if you just pick a consistent, coherent story and say this is the story we want to tell and then tell that story over the course of the gameplay, then you can really build something strong and special. But when you do the branching pathways, you have to account for so many like, well, what if the player wants to do this? Or what would be a fun scenario if the player chooses to play this way or makes this decision? And then it becomes less focused. So it's like you might get a decent story or a couple of decent choices or a great story and a bad story, depending on which choices you choose. But again, it's like I want I want a coherent, focused you know, story that is excellent rather than this whole like, oh, you you get so much agency, you get so much control over the character and what happens and what's said because your choices matter. And it's like, again, it's, it's just like the character creator thing where it's like, dude, letting me create my character and choose the way they look doesn't make the story more impactful or relatable. Making a impactful and relatable story does that. And I feel the same way about, about these branching narratives where I'm like, listen, letting me make choices that affect the story doesn't make for a great story in the way that just building out a really great story does. So again, it feels like a crutch and it has more potential to go wrong than it has to go right. So again, it just makes me a little hesitant. Nonetheless, I think what we saw of the gameplay looked really fun. And I guess the reason why I'm still able to be more optimistic about Dying Light 2 after seeing it is just because, you know, we've this is only the second Dying Light game we've had. And They've been, you know, five, six years apart from each other. Whereas Far Cry is like this thing. It's like every two years we get a Far Cry. And at this point, it's just the same fucking game over and over again. Different setting, same game. So that's kind of how I feel about Far Cry at this point. It's just, it's wearing me out. But Dying Light 2, it's like, okay, well, enough time has passed. We don't get these that often. And and uh, I actually don't remember if in Dying Light 2 you make your character or if you play as someone. I think you play as someone because in the first game you did. So hopefully that's the case. But um yeah, I don't know. Dying Light 2 and Far Cry 6 both now have launch dates. And then our our final, this is our final like regular story. It's a slow news week. What, I, what can I tell you? But uh, this is this is one I wrote. I didn't I didn't copy this from a website because this is this is the one I'm so excited about, guys. I'm so so pumped to tell you about all this. So last week, Sega held their very first Nintendo Direct style digital presentation dedicated to everyone's favorite blue blur, Sonic the Hedgehog. The stream, titled Sonic Central Stream, ran about 12 minutes, but packed a ton of information about what is coming up for our little freedom fighter. Of the many announcements made, the first one of serious note was the confirmation of the rumored Sonic Colors remake, titled Sonic Colors Ultimate. The re-release of Sonic Colors sees the first time the game will migrate off of Nintendo platforms, and more importantly, the first time it will appear on Xbox hardware. Sonic Colors Ultimate adds new cosmetic features and some improvements while up the game to 4K to be enjoyed on a new generation of hardware. 
The game will be available on Xbox One, series consoles, and will release on September 7th, giving us all a serious reason to live. The next notable announcement, the next notable announcement made at the event was of Sonic Origins, a compilation coming to Xbox in 2022 that features ports of Sonic's 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles, and Sonic CD, all in widescreen. While we haven't seen much of anything else on this, you should be very excited because Sonic. Last, and perhaps most exciting, Sega closed a presentation with a brief tease of the next major 3D entry in the Sonic franchise, but no name was given. Simply a vague 2022 release date was splashed. After the announcement was made public, fans mined metadata to discover that the game could potentially be named Sonic Rangers, although that news has not been officially confirmed by Sega at this point. The next entry in what I can only assume is everyone's favorite platform franchise will come to Xbox hardware sometime next year, barring any delays. Thanks, COVID. All right, guys, so that... I kind of miss writing the news. I feel like it, it flows better when I write it rather than copy-paste. But anyway, this is the stuff I'm super excited about. This is, honestly, the most excited I've been about any kind of video game news since, like, Xbox bought Bethesda or, like, here's Halo Infinite gameplay. This is very exciting stuff for me, so... Apologize in advance because I, I I know most of you out there are like guys, I like Xbox, which means I probably don't give a shit about Sonic. Or like guys, I'm a grown adult. I recognize that Sonic was never good and Mario's the better platformer. And either way, I'm older now and I want to play really serious games like Dead or Alive, Extreme Beach Volleyball. I I get it. You guys are all big boys, big boys and girls, big people. But here's the problem: is I love Sonic so much. And this is my podcast, and I feel no shame in taking the time to talk about this. And it's very, very rare that Sonic gets to be a big news piece. And so, fuck it, we're talking Sonic. So, yes, Sonic Colors, the first big thing. There, there were many things announced. Like, like there's going to be a like Sonic DLC and, like, Two Point Hospital. And, like, there's a Sonic Symphony Orchestra that they're going to do digitally next month, which is really cool. And there's, like... Um, uh, 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 a Sonic Colors animated short series that they're going to do on YouTube in the coming months, which I'm really excited about. So there's a bunch of little news, but we'll focus on the three big things, which are the video games, uh, the the big games here. So Sonic, Sonic Colors Ultimate. So yeah, Sonic Colors came out in 2010 on Nintendo Wii. There was also a Nintendo DS version of the game. I've played both of them extensively, very familiar with them. Anyway, and and to those who don't know, which I assume is most of you, because again, you probably don't care about Sonic, um, Sonic Colors is actually widely considered to be one of the very few 3D Sonic games that's actually good. It's actually, even IGN, who notoriously hates Sonic, uh, gave that game like an eight, it gave like, like an eight or an eight and a half score. Like, people really liked Sonic Colors when it came out back in November... 2010 but yeah sonic colors is a phenomenal game it is in my opinion the it's not my it's my second favorite sonic game sonic unleashed is always number one but sonic colors in my opinion is the perfect way to do sonic in that it's straight to the point it's just fun 3d sonic levels with boost mechanics it's really well polished and put together it doesn't have cheap deaths it's really fun the sense of speed is exhilarating the platforming is good it knows when to focus on platforming, when to focus on speed without mixing it too much the art style is really interesting the sound is amazing the game has literally a 12 out of 10 soundtrack it's so goddamn good and most importantly it doesn't do the cringy Sonic stuff. It doesn't try to be too dark or too cool like a lot of Sonic stuff does. It just understands that Sonic is a fun, cartoony, child's thing. And it just tries to be a lighthearted Saturday morning cartoon. It's Sonic and Tails find this weird theme park in space that Dr. Robotnik built. And they're trying to get to the bottom of this and figure out what's going on. And of course, the evil plot unfoils from there and you know 
danger ensues and good guy fights bad guy and it's very fun very rompy very saturday morning cartoon in all the best way possible and it is a great game it is a very very good 3d sonic game honest to god again this is not my favorite this is my second favorite sonic game not my favorite game uh, in this in the franchise but if there were anyone out there who's like jesse listen i know people love this shit on sonic i know sonic's a meme and sonic has had so many bad games at this point that's kind of a joke of a, of a character blah 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 blah. but listen i'm really open-minded and i'm willing to give sonic a try if you could if you could give me one sonic game to say hey this is why you need to not write off sonic completely this is why there is some value to this this franchise what game do you recommend to me this is the game i recommend this is it this is exactly what i think sonic could and should be but sonic team the developers of sonic are so absurdly inconsistent they'll be like here's a sonic game that's a light-hearted family-friendly romp and then two years later they'll be like here's a sonic game that's like edgy and designed for like 15 year olds that hate their parents and it's like what the fuck and they'll be like here's a sonic game that's really well put together here's a sonic game that looks like we put it out halfway through development and it's fucking broken and and sonic team does so much of that that there's so much inconsistency with the quality of the brand but more and more in recent years that hasn't been as much a problem sonic games at the very least are well put together and at least safe, you know, from a game design perspective. But Sonic Colors, very, very good Sonic game. I cannot wait for this to come out on September 7th. I'm It's weird. Everything's the 7th. September 7th is Sonic. October 7th is Far Cry. December 7th is Dying Light. Anyway, but yeah, I, I do. I cannot wait for this game to come out. It's coming out at $40, so not a full 60 So obviously they're not like redoing all the art assets and everything. They're just Uprising, 4K, HDR, adding some features and tweaks here and there, adapting the controls to be better for a gamepad instead of Wii Remote and Nunchuck. Nunchuck. So, you know, minor stuff, just kind of porting it and uprising it and, and things like that. But, dude, for 40 bucks, and then they're adding some, like, cosmetic content so you can kind of, like, customize Sonic's outfit and stuff like that. So, some fun, f- fun replay value stuff there. I, I'm so excited to play this game on Xbox. As a big fan of Sonic and a big fan of Xbox, one of the great frustrations I have is that you... Sonic is like most Japanese franchises like Kingdom Hearts and everything you can't play all of this series on one brand of console you have to split it up because there's some Sonic games that are only on DS some Sonic games that are only on PlayStation Xbox but not Nintendo some Sonic games that are only on Wii but not on anything you know it's that kind of thing so uh, it's the more we can get every entry of the Sonic franchise onto Xbox the happier I'll be because I would like in, a, in an ideal world I would like to have every Sonic game on my Xbox library that'd be great and this makes you know one less game i have to worry about that with and and it's one of my favorite sonic games that's so great but yeah, this game is I'll, I'll get off my high horse now but oh man this game is so good highly highly recommend this game at the very least man this this game deserves a listen to the fucking soundtrack on this game is so goddamn good listen man planet wisp act one tropical resort act one the main theme sung by cash cash the, the 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 electric pop band from the 2008 warp tour scene god damn Oof, great music this game has great music so super fucking excited about that cannot wait uh to take a look at sonic colors ultimate i'm honest to god counting down the days i'm so pumped i will definitely try to get all the achievements on that um sonic origins i really don't have much to say on that it's just another compilation release of the old sonic games they're supposedly using really good ports and are using really good roms and everything's gonna be on widescreen and it's gonna be more in line with like the christian whitehead ports which means it's gonna be the really good quality versions of these games and there's even rumors that they've been able to work out the 
long-standing, notorious licensing issues with Sonic 3, which is that a lot of people might not know this, but Sonic 3, a lot of the music was actually composed by Michael Jackson. And in in the past, like, 20 years, every re-released version of Sonic 3 has always, like, had to have, like, some new music put in it or some replacement tracks for the soundtrack because of licensing issues with the people who own the rights to Michael Jackson's music. So people, that's always a thing that fans complain about is like, oh, Sonic and 3 is getting ported, but doesn't have the correct audio, doesn't have the right music. And and, and apparently what we're, the rumor is that, yes, they're going to have all the old school audio, all the right music tracks. Everything's going to be in beautiful widescreen and play great and have a good achievement list. So if all that tr- it turns out to be true, I mean, yeah, it's nothing too special. We've seen old Sonic games released on new hardware a billion times. There's a billion ways you can play like the first couple Sonic games on your Xbox. Like it's not new, but uh, I'll, I'll be excited for this. If it really is a well put together package with some good achievements um, and you know, widescreen at. So that's, that's good. And then lastly, the, the last big one, and this is again, like I said, technically the big thing, but the new Sonic game they tease, I'm very, very, very cautiously optimistic about this game because even though Sega was on a roll, you know, in 2007 or 2008, they did Sonic Unleashed. Amazing. In 2010, they did Sonic Colors, amazing. In 2011, they did Sonic uh, Generations, amazing. In 2013, they did Sonic Lost Lost World, pretty damn good. A little experimental, a little weird, but pretty good. And then in 2017, they followed it up with Sonic Forces. It sucked. It went back to like cringy, edgy Sonic. And so I'm a little nervous that this next Sonic game that they teased is going to be like that again. But judging by the art aesthetic, it looks like some weird cross combination aesthetically from like Sonic Colors meets Sonic Adventure from the Sega Dreamcast. So I don't know. It's a very short little tease, but it looked like there is some like kind of electric glow on Sonic and he's running through this forest. It looks kind of like the the ancient ruins or whatever from Sonic Adventure 1, but it also kind of looks like Planet Wisp from Sonic Colors. So who knows? Sonic might be getting into some cool shit. I don't know, but it's really kind of frustrating that we got almost nothing about it. So it's going to be a while before we see anything on that. I'm going to try to remain very cautiously optimistic because Sega has had it in the past where they show a really cool teaser and then release a game a year later that's kind of shit. So not really much to say about that, but apparently the next main entry in the Sonic series is coming out next year, I would assume next fall. Sonic games almost always come out in November. That's like just always when Sonic games come out. So almost, unless it gets delayed, this is probably a November 22 uh, game. So really excited for that. Uh, Sonic fans, let your voices be heard in the comments below. I don't care if you are a furry. You have a voice here, and I want it to be heard. And then let's wrap up this week's episode with a couple uh, quick ones. God damn, this episode ran long. Um, But, yeah, uh, a couple of new games coming to Game Pass and leaving Game Pass, so let's just run through them real quick. And, really, it's not many. Uh, The Wild at Heart is coming to Cloud. It's available now. Uh, Also available now is For Honor on Cloud and Console. And then on June 8th and June 10th, respectively, we're getting Backbone on PC and Darkest Dungeon on Cloud Console and PC. So that's it for new games coming to to, um, uh, Game Pass and then leaving Game Pass all on June 15th. We're losing Ace Combat 7 on console, Night Call on console, cloud and PC, West of Dead, which I always wanted to play but never really got into on cloud console and PC, Wizard of Legend. Uh, on cloud console and PC, and finally, Observation on cloud console and PC. Now, that's going to do it for all of our big news stories, guys, but let's jump into our quick important enough news. These are the stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have, you know, like five or six, so real quick. Electronic Arts has, sorry, Electronic Arts has announced plans to unveil the next entry in the Battlefield series on June 9th. 
While little is known about the upcoming title, uh, colloquially dubbed Battlefield 6, the military shooter is expected to return to a near-future setting, but we'll learn about that soon. Uh, IGN reports that Crytek have announced a remaster of of Crisis 1, 2, and 3. They'll be bundled together and titled uh, Crisis Remaster uh, Trilogy, and it will come out this fall. Uh, which, you know, we knew about, but I guess now we have a date for it. Um, it's also said to run, quote, even smoother on Series X and S. IGN also reports that a small group of staff uh, from Bulletstorm, Gears of War Judgment, and Outriders developer People Can Fly have splintered off to create their own new studio, Grubby Entertainment. A report from Games Industry reveals that the new team is set to work on a brand new first-person shooter franchise, which is not surprising considering their pedigree pretty interested to see what that what comes out of that uh, IGN also reports that EA is announcing that need for speed carbon need for speed undercover need for speed shift and need for speed shift Two unleashed and need for speed run will all be removed from digital storefronts beginning today or sorry beginning on May 31st so at the time you're listening to this it's already happened unfortunately EA took to Reddit to share the news saying that the game stores for the previously mentioned titles, will also be closed on May 31st, while online services will remain on for now. They will be retired on August 31st. So from September 1st onwards, the game will only be playable offline. So I wish I knew that in advance. I would have downloaded some of that. Uh, and then finally, Windows Central reports that Xbox is celebrating Pride Month. Uh, it encourages Xbox and PC players to join in the celebration. Lots of new merch and uh, profile customizations and ways to donate using your Microsoft rewards to help celebrate Pride Month. Um, and the headliner thing that Xbox is participating in for Pride Month this year is the news that Tell Me Why, the award-winning narrative adventure game from Don't Not Entertainment, the makers of Life is Strange, will be available for free for the entire month of June. So for Pride Month, you can download Tell Me Why, which is already on Game Pass, but if you don't have Game Pass, which is probably none of you, the game is available for free for the entire month. So that 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 is a cool gesture. That is a cool little, like, grab, I guess. I don't know why you wouldn't have Game Pass, but, you know, uh, Tell Me Why. I, I played it when it came out last year. I thought it was pretty decent. It was much better than Life is Strange 2, but not as good as Life is Strange 1. Yeah, pretty, pretty decent game. I definitely think it's worth a playthrough, especially for free. Pretty cool. Pretty cool little grab for in celebration of Pride Month. Awesome stuff there. And guys, that's going to do it for all of our news and everything for this week. Now, there are 15 new game releases on Xbox Wire, but we are not going to jump through those because this show is already running very, very, very long. I will just say, because there are a couple really notable games, a couple uh, things that you might want to know that are coming out this week. DreamWorks Spirit, Lucky's Big Adventure. No, just kidding. But uh, Necromunda, Hired Gun. Uh, the Warhammer Doom-looking FPS game is out now for Xbox Series X and S, and it looks great. Apparently, it's a little buggy, um, but I don't give a shit. I, I'm sure they'll patch all that stuff out. I want to play that game. It's only 40 bucks and it looks really, really good. Also notable, actually, that's the only thing I really want to point out. But uh, moving along, Games with Gold as a reminder... King's Bird is available all month for June. Shadows Awakening is available from June 15, June 16th to July 15th. And then on the 360 side, we've got Neo Geo Battle Coliseum. It's available now until the 15th. And then Injustice Gods Among Us is available from June 16th to June 30th. And that is going to do it for everything this week on Xbox On. You guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been a long, chunky episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you leave some comments. Let me know. Listen, you got some ideas. Jesse, second best is a dumb name. It's a dumb username for Twitter. 
for YouTube. I got a good name for you. It is it is Leaf Eater 68. That's what you should change your name to, Leaf Eater, because you're not a vegetarian. I, I love it. Let me know the suggestion, guys. Drop a comment. Drop a suggestion. Get together with your friends after school. Go to the library. Grab some grab some baked Cheetos and 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 and, and spark in Dasani water bottles and talk about you know brainstorm some ideas for cool names for me and then let me know what it is and I'll take credit for it. I don't I don't care, guys. Just figure it out. Um, but while you're doing that, and in the meantime, you know, until we talk again next week, I want to let you know a little something. Starts with a P, ends with a D. And guys, that's to power your dreams. <laughs>